0: This is Matt Hurt at Obsessive Viewer on Twitter.
1: This is Tiny at Obsessive Tiny on Twitter.
0: This is Mike, and you can find me at I am Mike White on Twitter. And this is ObsessiveViewer.com's The Obsessive Viewer Podcast. Hello and welcome to The Obsessive Viewer. We're a movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic, be it genre, trope, movie, or show each episode. You can find more of our work at ObsessiveViewer.com. You can also like us on Facebook and join the Facebook group at Facebook.com slash The Obsessive Viewer. And finally, you can follow all three of us on Letterboxd at Obsessive Viewer, Obsessive Tiny, and I am Mike White. Uh, I'm your host, Matt Hurt, and with me today are my co-hosts, Mike and Tiny. Hey, guys. Hey, Hello. We are. Do you guys know when the last time the three of us were on a podcast together? Uh,
2: when I was at your house in July.
0: Yep. Episode 242. Nice. (laughs) Yeah. And this is episode 266. So uh, far too long ago. yeah. Yeah. So we, we need to rectify that in the new year, guys. Um, Speaking of which, new year, new New year, guys. (laughs) That's fine.
1: (laughs) New year, new podcast. Uh, (laughs) Do you want to start a new Not really. God damn it. Why'd I do that? (laughs) (laughs) I planted the seed. There are enough.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I forgot to say happy, though. I don't know why. But Happy New Year, everyone. You guys and to our listeners and everything, and any new listeners we've picked up, if this is your first time listening, you're in for a treat, because this is like the most obsessive viewer, the obsessive viewer podcast is, Um, is in our year in review episode. You know
2: what's funny? I've always loved the name Obsessive Viewer and I kind of like our thing and we used to do kind of mm-hmm. like topic heavy episodes and we've kind of skewed and done more reviews and this and that. Um, but mm-hmm. it wasn't till kind of recently, I want to say in the last couple of years where we kind of explained like why we're called the Obsessive Viewer. Um, mm-hmm. like almost what sets us apart and it's this episode. Uh, Absolutely. We, this is an episode where if you've never heard us before you get our stats you get us talking about our listening habits uh, so you get the the movie appreciation and the obsession mm-hmm. with film that we all have and that I, I hope that you guys are interested in but again what makes us the Obsessive Viewer podcast is you see literally how obsessed we are with not only watching these but talking about them and then finally keeping track of them uh, which is kind of yeah. the big thing
0: yes and to kind of leapfrog off of that just real quick we've been talking about this website a lot uh over the last year but letterboxd like this has letterboxd is like a social media site for film lovers that you can have your own diary you can post reviews and stuff um elsie fisher actually uh referenced letterboxd on i think a a jimmy kimmel interview or jimmy fallon or something Hmm. um Cause, uh, cause he asked her like, "Hey, have you seen, or have you read any reviews or anything?" And she's like, "Yeah, I, I read Letterboxd all the time. Huh. Uh, I've read them on Letterbox." And, and then he's like, "What's Letterbox?" And she's like, "I don't know. I think it's a critic thing. I don't, I don't know." But of anyway, eighth grade, she
2: she was reading reviews of eighth grade. Yes. Okay.
0: Yes. So she could have read one of our reviews. Did you guys review it on Letterbox?
2: I think I didn't said I did briefly. Interesting.
0: Okay. Yeah. Anyway, um, Elsie, if you are listening, uh, congrats on all your success,
2: and stick around because um, you are probably gonna hear us talk about your movie.
0: <laughs> oh yes, you will. Oh yeah. So anyway, so if you are not on Letterbox, if you are listening to this podcast and you're you dig all of the stuff you are about to listen to in this seven hour marathon podcast, um, it's you should definitely look into going on Letterbox because it's amazing, and uh, we're all pro members. Um, that gives us stats and everything, and like for me, and I'm sure you guys as well, it made compiling my stats at the end of the year so much easier. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we used to do this.
2: The stuff you're about to hear, we used to do this by hand. Yep, uh, Mm -hmm. and kind of like double check and triple check and bounce them kind of back and forth to. You know, did we get this right or that right? And Letterbox kind of does that for us now, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. By the way, you can absolutely you can follow Letterboxed users, uh, and mm-hmm. we—it's all super easy. I am—I am Mike White, and the other guys are just mm-hmm. their their Twitter handles. Is that correct, Tiny? Are you obsessive, Tiny, on Letterbox?
1: Yes, that's correct. All
2: right. Yeah. So just yep. just if you found us on Twitter, you can find us the same place on Letterboxd.
1: Exactly. It's nice to have this digitized mobile That's the biggest oh, thing, yeah. I think, about Letterboxd for me, anyways, mm-hmm. because for years, I, it was just on my laptop, and like Same a, a Word document on a laptop, right. which was fine, but... You have it mobily now, which is so much nicer.
0: Well, it's, Absolutely. it's a
2: conversation piece. We were out, I was out, uh, to dinner with a friend of mine, Jake, and he, we were kind of looking at the best horror movies of the year. And he's like, uh, I don't know, let me see your list. And I was like, well, don't mind if I do. And it's nice to have the, you know, just the thumbnail pictures of the film posters. So you can kind of, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's a the visual aesthetic to, um experiencing what these films look like on your phone uh the one of the most useful things for me is i have accidentally like repurchased one or two or three or four movies in the past <laughs> uh and so recently i created a list on letterbox of mm-hmm. my want list for purchases and when i buy one i take it off that list and now there's no more fear of do i already own this movie nice. it's awesome
0: Nice. And we'll talk about Letterboxd in in more detail uh, later in this episode, but just, it's great. And like, we have kind of uh, teamed up with Letterboxd to an extent. Like, we're not getting paid at all for promoting it at all. We're just huge fans of it, but we are in a position where we can give Letterboxd users pro memberships. uh, And so we'll be running, in 2019, we'll be running more like contests for pro memberships. Right. Um, So stay tuned to that. Stay tuned to the podcast for that um, this year. But uh, before we get into like the meat of this episode, just real quick, how was your guys' twenty nineteen? Both personally and uh, privately. I don't know. Um, (laughs) Publicly, (laughs) Uh, mine
2: was good. Um, My second son was born early on in the year, uh, March fifth. Mm -hmm. and uh that was super exciting my niece was born two days before that so we call them the twins Mm -hmm. those are kind of the big things that happen oh we also moved uh Mm -hmm. so that's i guess that's another big thing (laughs) to uh just another house here in town Mm -hmm. um other than that it was really good i don't want to talk about it too much the bears had a really good season uh but they lost yesterday so i'm still staying yeah uh it stings a little bit but other than that great year uh movie watching I'll kind of talk about that a little more when we get to the stats.
1: Sweet.
0: And tiny, how was your year?
1: Uh it was a little rough. I uh yeah. had a had a skin infection for 4 months that was very painful. Mhm. Had to go to the ER twice for that and took five five courses of antibiotics uh but it's finally uh finally under control so that's good nice. um and i was diagnosed with the diabetes mm. towards the end of the year um but both of those things are much better than they were even a month ago so 2019's looking up so that's good um yeah just pretty good all around actually for cool. for the for the new year uh 2018 like i said a little rough but nice yeah
0: i I have a big bottle of Purell next to me anytime he comes over to record now because I don't want the skin infection. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) Uh, but no, uh, I had a really, I had a really good year actually. Like, uh, I got a new job within the same company that I work for and, uh, that kept me from, like, I'm no longer working from home, but I'm in a much better position in the company and I am really loving it. It's awesome. Um, other than that, that's pretty much all I got going on, Nice, <laughs> um, Good deal. which I'm happy with. Okay, so let's dive right into what people are here to listen for. Um, oh, first of all, damn it, I forgot this. Um, I was a guest on our friends, The Nerds You're Looking For podcast. Uh, you can find that at thenerdspodcast.com. Uh, basically, I did my top 10 list with Pat and Tyler over there. It's kind of a yearly tradition that I go do a guest spot over there um, and talk about my top 10 and spoiler well i guess not really spoiler but uh kind of a tip my hat to later in this episode this was i think the first year in like five or six years that i've been guesting on that podcast that the top 10 list that i said on that podcast is the same as the one that i have on this one (laughs) um because usually they record at the like end of the year and like it's when i'm still compiling stuff so it's kind of a rough draft top 10 yeah but Uh, spoiler for my viewing stats, but I had a really good year and I had a very well-rounded top 10. But, uh, but yeah, so let's go into our viewing stats. Mike, uh, do you want to get us kicked off? Yeah, I
2: will. Um, do you have kind of an outline for exactly which stats you want to know about? Um, I'll, I'll just, I'll just go through my list. So, okay. I watched 124 total movies uh which is to say unique movies because as far as my diary entries are concerned Mm -hmm. uh i logged 130 movie viewing instances onto my letterbox which is to say i sat down and watched a feature film 130 times Mm -hmm. the other number mm -hmm. 124 is the number of unique movies which is to say holy shit I only (laughs) rewatched six movies this year. Every other movie I watched was a unique to 2018 movie watching Mm -hmm. experience. Here are the, here are the six movies I watched and only twice. I didn't watch any movie more than twice. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Avengers Infinity War, Hereditary, Halloween 2018, uh, The Strangers Pray at Night, Won't You Be My Neighbor, and A Quiet Place. Other
3: than wow. that, every
2: other movie I watched, uh, I I only watched the one time that year. <laughs> wow! So that 120 or 100, 124 or 130, however you want to count that, uh, that's 106 mm-hmm. first-time viewings, 106 movies I've never seen before, and I'm always really proud yeah. of that. Um, my my percentage of movies that are first time for me, I think that that uh-huh. um. It's, it's more of a goal of mine to watch as many new movies as possible. Um, and yeah. so it always feels good when that number is higher than movies I've seen before. Clearly, horror is my most watched. Well, maybe not clearly, but, uh, if you were looking at my list, it's, it's pretty clear that horror is my most watched genre. Um, which mm-hmm. is a stat you can look at on Letterboxd. And the, the, so I watched 77 horror films this year. Uh, the next line down is 59, which is Thriller, and you could almost say those are pretty similar anyway. 34 mm-hmm. drama films and 29 comedy films, 21 action, 20 sci-fi, and so on and so forth. So heavily heavy on the horror, heavy on the Thriller. Um, this is, unfortunately, uh, my lowest year on record. I, I went back and looked. Oh, interesting. Uh, I wouldn't say by far, well by about 20 movies this is my lowest mm-hmm. year um and wow. i think that that's a result well it's obviously a result of having two kids
0: <laughs> right and moving
2: i'm sure and moving was kind of a big part of it um so my you know my free time is so valuable that i
3: mm-hmm.
2: <clears throat> that for several months at a time i'll kind of be into a certain hobby and that's all i'll do uh 2018 was kind of like if i wasn't with the kids it was like the year of video games i played a lot of video games mm-hmm. this year um and so i was able to put those on hold for October, where i was able to beef up a lot of my numbers but i just i don't i'm not able to make a lot of time to just sit down uh with a movie um mm-hmm. i did have and this is always a number that makes me feel good 53 theater viewings Nice. Okay, now, awesome. Uh, long time listeners know that I do movie night, uh, every Thursday and we skip holidays. We skip, you know, Christmas and Thanksgiving. And if I go on vacation mm-hmm. or he goes on vacation, we skip those. Um, so I saw maybe, maybe three or four non movie night theater viewings. Um, again, it's just a case of not being able to get out, but luckily I have made a point to get out on Thursdays. My highest nice. month was October, obviously, uh, with 30 <laughs> movies. That's when October was there. I always aim for 31, and it was a big F. Big F-minus fail. I only hit 30, uh, but whatever. <laughs> and then in May, for whatever reason, I don't know what it is, uh, summer always slows me down quite a bit. Um i I don't know this summer I was really into the Friday 13th video game again, so I was kind of into playing yeah. that instead of watching movies uh, and so i I watched four in May that was my lowest my lowest month so that's uh that's my year in stats movies
0: sweet and just to clarify when you say that um your this was your lowest your lowest year in terms of movies you said it was by twenty movies. Um, is that by 20 individual movies or 20 viewings?
2: Um, I don't know. I'd have to go back. My, my guess is viewings. Okay.
0: Okay. Yeah. That's what I figured.
1: Yeah.
0: Cool. Cool. Well, that's awesome. Uh, tiny. How about your,
1: yes. Um, I'm glad that Mike led or like that. Mike (laughs) didn't have like a really good year (laughs) either because (laughs) I didn't have a really good year. Um, but, it was better than last year. I think last oh, nice. year, I don't even know if I cracked 100 last year. You, you, you didn't. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't crack 100 last year. This year, my total viewings were 117. Nice. Yeah, which, uh, yeah, well, not very good. Um, so, my goal kind of is to get at least 150 a year, and nice. wasn't even close to that. So, um, the only statistic that I'm happy with this year is that I'm pretty happy with my, like, The movies that i didn't get to see so like the the 2018 releases that i was able to see okay i was pretty happy with
0: that i thought (laughs) for some reason i heard that i thought that my like my only my only one that i'm really proud of is the ones that i I just didn't get to see
1: (laughs) (laughs) no like my like my regrets like
2: uh i feel really good about skipping the turds
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm okay with I'm okay with my regrets list. That's what I'm trying to say. So, gotcha. I crammed in a lot of 2018 viewings towards the end and I was happy with that. Um, so 117 total viewings. Uh first viewings was was 85 and 32 I had seen before. Mm-hmm. But uh to Mike's draw attention to Mike's statistic where he talked about Hit me, baby. three watches in 2018. <laughs> I think I only had two. Oh, wow. I think. Okay. Okay. Uh and it was they were both on your list. Avengers, well, Black Panther and Avengers Infinity War. Okay. Yeah. I think that's it. I didn't look through and actually gather, but that's what I can think of off the top of my head. So, um, And then this is the statistic that I—that kills me the most. I only saw seven movies in the theater this
0: year. Ah, yes. Okay. That
1: is way too low. My goal every year, again, the the bare minimum, I want to see at least 12 so mm-hmm. that I can say that I saw one a month. Okay. Uh, but I didn't even, again, didn't even get close to that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's not the best statistic, but, uh, for break it down by month, um, my best month was July, which surprises me. Cause like Mike said, the summer always slows me down. Um, huh. so yeah, July, I had 23 viewings wow. and my worst was a tie between March and May for five. Um, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. So, um, that's That's about it. I think we can break down some of the other stuff when we go into other, like, letterbox stats. Matt Tiny Um, mentioned
2: he kind of sets a goal for himself for 12 theater Mm -hmm. viewings a year. Now, I know that you're going to hit us with your surprising stats, (laughs) (laughs) and AMC AMC A-List was very good to you, but Mm -hmm. before these movie subscription services, did you have, like, Mm -hmm. a theater goal, uh, you know, in 15, 16, and 17?
0: Um I really didn't. Um I yeah, I really didn't. I I, did, I cuz I wanted to see as many movies as I could, but I didn't right. like set like oh, I'm I want to see this many movies or this many. Um And before, truth be told,
2: you've always kind of been a homebody at least as far as I've known you.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um and I think that the like being able to see movies like the last couple of years, it's been pretty consistent that like me and Kirsten would go see movies pretty much every weekend, mm-hmm. um, and that's basically like what we would like we would hang out and see a movie uh, in the theater. So that right. really bolstered my uh, numbers and everything. But um, should I should I go ahead and hit you guys with my sure. with my stats? I'll, I'll just say it. my goal
2: is always fifty-two. I I, okay. I want nice. to always maintain that I see one a week because I mm-hmm. do movie night. Uh, I right. know that I skip a few, but I always want to make up for those with you know date nights with my wife or other friends or whatever. Sure, you guys saw saw one or two mm-hmm. with you, Matt, this year. Uh, Maybe this year I don't think we saw any. Well, over the summer we saw Pirates.
0: That was last year.
2: Was that last? Or er, that
0: was 2017. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, nothing then. Um, (laughs) yep. Uh, but, (laughs) um, okay. So, so a peek behind the curtain. We have divulged our top 10 lists to one another, but we have not divulged our stats, uh, to one another. So, um, I'm just going to go ahead and do it.
3: Uh, Yeah. I'll say they're searchable.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you can find them, but I, I have like, I'm excited. So anyway, um, this was my best year.
2: Okay. No um,
0: yeah. Still not as good. Well, you'll see. So, I was going to say not as good in terms of the total viewings as Tiny's famous well, 2014 or 2014. 2014. Yeah. Uh, 366. But 66, I had a total. Shit. Was that a leap year? Viewings? Did you watch an extra
1: one because it was a leap year? No, I don't think so. Was it? I don't even know. Was it? No, uh, sixteen was the leap year. I don't
0: know. Never mind. Oh yeah. Okay, go ahead. Um, but anyway, my total viewings for 2018 was 357 viewings. Oh, Jesus
3: Christ. Uh,
0: (laughs) that is, (laughs) that is a total amount of movies. So not counting rewatches or anything
2: like Uh, instances of movie watching, right?
0: Yes. Yes. So that is 320 (laughs) individual titles. So I rewatched a total of thirty-seven movies, uh, repeat viewings. Um, I'll jump down real quick and say that the repeat viewings that I had that I had the most viewings of, uh, surprisingly enough, one of my favorite movies. Uh, they came together. I watched five times in twenty eighteen. Okay, uh, five yeah. times. Yes, and the reason is because for like half the year I was working from home. And I would just have it playing in the background and watching it in between calls. Um, I, I uh, watched it with Kirsten one day, and then I watched it a few times just kind of while I'm editing the podcast okay. or anything. So not so, to yeah.
2: derail you, because I I'll let you I'll let you keep going. But um, sure, like do you have a like a, a loose. Uh, like percentage of your attention you have to give a movie for you to count it as a watched movie
0: yes, yes, so like like a perfect example i don't, i don 't even remember what movie it was that I was watching. Yeah uh like the last uh, a couple couple months ago I had something playing in the background while I was editing and like it got to the last act and I was like I haven't been paying attention to it so I didn't log it at all right um but the times that I do like like I said when I'm like working and like when I was in the call center I would be working and I'd have it playing on my laptop and basically the nature of a call center is if you know there's no calls coming in you don't have to do anything right <laughs> So I would be sitting there watching it, and then when a call comes in, I'd pause it and then do my work, and then oh, you'd pause it, okay, resume it. Yeah, because well, so, there are yeah. a
2: few times where, um, you know, I've done this for the last several years, where like at the end mm-hmm. of a school year, when I'm like finishing up the yearbook, which is mm-hmm. like a week at home by myself just fixing pages, I'm always playing yeah. Friday the Thirteenth over and over and over again. Sure, um, <laughs> but I got to a point where I just stopped <laughs> counting those because I was I was always like. I'm not even I'm not even like I'm not receiving these movies. The only reason yeah. I know them is cuz I know them by rote.
0: It's a difference the it's a <clears throat> there's a distinct difference between watching something or playing something as ambient noise versus right. watching something while multitasking. Okay. Um so yeah, so there there have been movies that I Had playing in the background that I wasn't paying attention to that I did not log. Okay. Um. To answer your question, and most of the time when I do stuff that requires more attention than I can focus on a movie, um, I just watch TV show. Like I throw on The Office or something. Okay.
2: All right. Hit us with those stats, baby.
0: Yeah. Okay. So uh, they came together five times. Weird sentence. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Avengers: Infinity War four times, and the Big Sick four times. Um. my highest uh, genre was drama with 145 movies comedy with 141 and thriller with 89
2: wow you dropped off a yeah. of
3: horror
0: i know yeah it's the last like few years man it's been it's been kind of rough with with me watching horror cuz i just i haven't watched that much um yeah, but, uh, rewatches in 2018, I rewatched, uh, I had 151 rewatches. Um, and then, um, okay, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll skip theater viewings for just a second. Um, the amount of movies that were released in 2018 that I watched and therefore had this amount of movies to cull my top 10 from, uh, I watched 109 2018 released movies. Wow. Jeez. Yes. Oh, yeah. And uh, finally, my uh, theater viewings... um, Sorry. Excuse me. Um, My theater viewings were 87. Jesus. Good Lord. 87 (laughs) movies in the theater. Um, That counts... uh, There were... I don't know offhand if this, like, I watched 11 Heartland Film Festival movies, but like four of them were screeners that I watched at home. Um, but yeah, uh, 87 theater viewings. Um, that's never gonna be beaten. It's too yeah. many. Honestly, it's too many. That's insane. Yeah. Um, and I'll get into my, do, do you guys mind if I go through my A list stats real sure. quick?
1: Yeah, go for it.
0: Okay, so 87 theater viewings and I joined AMC A-List on June 28th of 2018. So I had AMC A-List for half the year. Um, a full, like I had, I had it for six full months. Uh, when I had A-List or, or I have A-List currently, but, um, once I got A-List from then until the end of the year, I saw 56 movies with A-List. Um, uh, I went, I had, I, I, 56 screenings. Um, I watched three of them, like, uh, a second time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, this is where we get really nerdy. Um, <clears throat> the amount that I spent on A-List, the subscription itself, over the course of those six months was a total of $139.65. Uh, A-List, for the, whoever doesn't know, we get three tickets per week from AMC. That we can use for any format, any any screening, um, and it resets on Fridays, and you get three tickets a week for $19.95 a month. Currently, that's the price now. I'm sure that they're going to increase it this year. But the total amount spent was $139.65 on A-List. Um, I calculated the total ticket price, so I took all 56 movies and calculated how much each ticket would have cost me had I not had A-List. Um I saw in terms of ticket prices $635.50 worth of movies. Jeez. So in some alternate universe where I were was willing to watch or was willing to pay for that much um it's a difference or savings of $495.95. That's wow. <laughs> um yeah. And, uh, this is the more sad one, but I calculated the runtime, guys. Um, with A-List, I spent 4.5 days of my life in the theater. <laughs> oh my god. And that's just with A-List. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's the 56 screenings. Um, and yeah, it's, uh, it's ridiculous. I honestly, I like, I'm really proud of it and I'm excited about it because A-List is, is great and I love the idea of subscription theater screenings and stuff. But I'm kind of terrified at what this means for 2019 because I will have A-list for a full year. And it's like, on one hand, A-list and, and like being able to go see a movie whenever I want again without like budgeting for it per se. Um, it, on one hand, it definitely kind of, re reawakened i guess my kind of love of going to the movie theater like it's my favorite it's probably my favorite thing to do is go to movie theater sit with a group of strangers Mm -hmm. and experience a a story Mm -hmm. um and i'm kind of afraid that it might maybe i'll get burnt out a little bit but uh but I might, I might try to pace myself a little more, and because I kind of have this thing in my head where it's like, okay, well, I have three tickets I can see this week. Um, what three movies are am I going to see? But even um, if you, the
2: thing is, even yeah. if you get burnt out, or mm-hmm. maybe I don't, I don't know how you how you work. But like, no. say you shoot for three a week for the whole mm-hmm. year. Like your goal is one hundred and sixty or whatever. Yeah, um, which is ridiculous. But mm-hmm. like, even if you get burnt out using one a week is still saving money on a list
0: exactly which is what i
2: which is why i am a member
0: yeah and like i uh i've done the i have a spreadsheet and everything that has formulas to calculate everything um if say for say for sake of argument that I keep the a A list subscription, but I don't see any more movies until the one year anniversary of getting a list on June 28th. So I go from now until June 28th, not having seen any, any movies with a list. I will still have, I, I will still have gotten my money's worth out of the amount that I pay for the 12 months of a list. Mm -hmm. Um, i don't have the figure in front of me but like yeah it's it's already paid for itself um for me so yeah
1: man that's huge yeah
0: i know have you ever read patten
2: oswalt's silver screen fiend
0: um no i i listened to zombie spaceship wasteland okay so Uh, that
2: yeah it's pretty different i um um Silver Screen Fiend is about, like, this four or five, maybe more, years of his life where he mm-hmm. would go to one or two a day, and he would, like, oh, wow. cancel plans with people and go see movies, uh, and he hit numbers akin to that, um, Wow! and I think you're giving him a run for his money there, but <laughs> yeah. if, if you maintain this, we'll see.
0: Yeah. Um well, so well oh,
1: if you sorry. like like if next year if you set a goal for two weeks, that's hundred and four movies. Mm-hmm. So I think you would have to double up. You would have to see some movies twice. Because like yeah. in the doldrums of February and yeah, like September. True. And that's I mean, the thing.
0: Like, there are I saw, not
2: three movies worth seeing per week.
0: No. Yeah. Like I have one more ticket this week. Uh because I have a ticket for the upside mm-hmm. on Thursday and i have one ticket this week and i'm like I, I could try to see mary queen of scots again but i wasn't really into it when i saw it before and i had a bad experience with the theater so i just don't really feel like seeing it um and then uh there are a couple other movies that i know kirsten wants to see and I, i'm I'm kind of saving for that but um what was the other? oh like i went ahead and just got a ticket for spider-man again mm-hmm. But I'm like, that's going to be kind of a game time decision. Like, do I really want to go see Spider-Man again? Cause I, I do want to see Spider-Man again, but it's like more like, am I just seeing it just to use the ticket? Um, right. or do I actually like have it. a desire? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, for, for my, for my, uh, monthly stats, um, <laughs> my, my highest month, oddly enough, was August with 60 movies. Jeez. That
2: is insane.
0: And let me kind of, I don't know, um, that isn't, necess- that, that is, cause I, when I got my, my new position in the company, I do have a job in which I can have like headphones in and I can have a movie playing on my phone while I'm working. And, that does like it i do devote enough attention to count it as a viewing cuz i it it's not like i'm sitting there watching like four movies each day at work uh for the entire 8 hours it's like i'll throw on one movie while i'm working and it's usually a familiar one mm-hmm. so um a decent amount of those movies are movies that i watched that my attention was divided but it was wasn't divided enough to where i couldn't follow the plot
1: man i'd have to check my stats for my 2014 Mm-hmm. year when i watched 366 but i don't think yeah. i ever hit 60 movies in a month
0: oh really i don't think so
1: i think i hit 50 something but wow that's crazy
0: yeah um interestingly enough my lowest months were uh may and june um may i had nine viewings nine Oh wow. Watch, wow nine movies quite
2: pedestrian yes
0: yeah. and then june i had seven
2: jeez okay.
0: um definitely slumming it in the summer months um
2: well it like gets uh, hot you know.
0: yeah well also there are a couple like extenuating circumstances like in june i went to vegas so that's like four days of no movie watching right um i got a new job like right like when i got back from vegas was my first day um, my first day at my my new job. So like that month was a lot of learning the ins and outs of a new job and everything. So it's a lot of kind of mental exhaustion. Like I come home and I don't really want to do anything, including watch movies. Um, so yeah. So there there are some extenuating kind of circumstances there.
1: So May was bad for all three of us. Yeah.
0: Oh yeah. It's and it's a theme. Kind of, it's weird because like I I would need to go back and and check check on this, but like. I kind of wonder if that's is that a is that a regular thing that we experience? Like I think each it
1: is year? for me probably. Very race it's a race during that during that month. Yeah, so.
2: there's something for me about um it being summer. I kind of my mm-hmm. like our our days kind of get a little longer and we we have plans. Mm-hmm. My wife stays up a little later. Um I don't know, there's something more comfy about like I got to work the next morning, so I'm just going to Throw on a movie before bed, kind of
0: deal. Sure.
1: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Well, this May I spent four weekends in a row building a deck by myself. <laughs> right. So that contributed to that because I wanted to get it done before the race. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that that's my stats. Those are my stats. I have some Letterbox stats, but we can touch on those um, if you guys want. Uh, letterbox too. stats. Yeah. Okay. Oh, oh, sorry. Real quick. Um, to kind of usher us into the letterbox portion, if we have any other letterbox stats to go through, um, I was very proud of this fact. So, of the movies that I watched, 109 were released in 2018, and I managed to write a review on letterboxd that granted some of them were shorter than others but i made a point to review every 2018 movie that i saw Wow.
1: oh wow that's yes. awesome
0: oh yeah and uh my total amount of reviews posted on letterboxd in 20 and 2018 um this is a little a little inflated because i did go back and add some reviews from obsessive viewer to to my backlog when i was backlogging that stuff but it wasn't too substantial but I wrote a total of two hundred and seventy three reviews on Letterboxd Damn! In twenty eighteen,
1: good job. God. Thank you. Thank like, you. Like that's hard, man. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I reviewed fourteen. I wrote Forty. Nice. <laughs> nice. Forty. <laughs> yeah. Well, not bad. You guys will get there. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah. So so yeah. Those are those are my stats. Best best movie watching year of my uh, young life here. Wow. Yeah.
2: You took it was a good
1: year for movies to a whole new level. (laughs) Yeah,
0: I think that different
1: different meaning. Mm -hmm. I think the eighty-seven in the theater is more impressive than the three sixty-six in a year. I think Uh, so too. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because it's easy to just sit on your couch and watch a movie.
0: (laughs) That's true. Which is what I did. (laughs) But also, but also, fifty-six of those theater viewings were A-list. So like, there's that subscription thing where it's like. True. It's not as. It's not like I had to do too much work to go to the theater. Yeah. Right.
1: Um, Still. Still, I think that's. But yeah.
0: 87, I I honestly. I don't know if I'll. We'll see. A list could. Well, you better. Yeah. I honestly (laughs) think
2: if you did that, if you had A list for half a year, Mm -hmm. you got 87. That. Well, I I mean, I think you ought to shoot mm -hmm.
0: for a hundred well here's the thing and i and i forgot to mention this so in 2016 i had movie pass for the entire year Jan- january to december full 12 months i had movie pass in that year i watched 83 movies in the theater okay that was my that was my thing there and what's interesting is i think that back then movie pass wasn't in the toilet but it um was thriving and you could see one movie every day but like i would i think i just i mean i saw like several movies obviously i saw a considerable amount of movies with that but i think that there's something um subconscious with me that like having three tickets a week is like like we like i said before it's like um i kind of should see three movies to get my full money's worth each week um also it helped that the lad- latter half of the of the year was like you know good. <laughs> yeah. There was a lot of good movies out. So yeah. uh, so we'll see with 20 uh, 2019 but yep.
1: Mike, do you have any further letterboxd stats you want to throw out? Not
2: really. I, I I don't quite know what he was talking about. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, okay. I was going for like um like top director, top oh, I uh, see. actor. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But what was, what was your guys' first and last movie? My first one was The
2: Room. Uh, because we were going to watch uh, The Disaster Artist the next day.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So we watched The Room. And my last yes. film on December 26th, uh, I was just like doing work on my computer. And I, <laughs> I had. Are you laughing because you know the movie?
0: I, I think so. So
2: one of my favorite films of all time is My Girl. <laughs> you know, uh, Dan Aykroyd, uh, mm. uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, Anna Chlumsky is her name, is the girl's name. I had a major, major, mm. major, major crush on her growing up. Uh, <laughs> me and, too. and then of course, Macaulay Culkin is in that one. Mm. And I, I remember like my mom telling me about that movie and like, she's like, okay, we're gonna watch this, but I need to tell you, the boy dies at the end. Right. And if you're gonna be too upset, you don't have to watch it. I was like, "No, we'll watch it," and I was so so upset. Like when it was, <laughs> that movie wrecked me when I was little, mm-hmm. little Thomas J. Um, yeah. So yeah, I just, just I just threw that on to have at the end, uh, and it holds up. Mm-hmm. I still love that movie. I think yeah. I think it's nice. a nice movie. Oh,
0: yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, do you want to go with the rest of your letterbox stats, or do you want to go? Yeah, I'll kind of I'll
2: kind of look okay. for some stats here. Uh, I did, like I said, forty reviews um Mm -hmm. 231 hours of movies which is not all that much i guess Mm -hmm. um that's 10.8 per month an average of 2.5 for a week my biggest day is thursday which is no surprise because that's my movie night um i would say the uh the biggest the most stars or the the star i watched the most um do mm-hmm. you know this matt or do you want to take a guess
0: um you know i'm gonna take a guess based on mine and the letterboxd year in review uh samuel l jackson oh no no
2: oh not even close he's not even in my top 10 uh no it was kane oh, hotter who played jason oh
0: that makes yeah. sense
2: number two is jamie lee <laughs> curtis <laughs> mm-hmm. uh directors spielberg david litch <laughs> mm-hmm. and mike flanagan
3: Yes. Uh,
0: David Litch what did well just
2: Deadpool, Dead, oh, Deadpool gotcha. two, and Deadpool two point five. Mm-hmm. Producers, uh, no surprise for me, Jason Blum. Mm-hmm. We're, with the, we're Blumpkins. Who? <laughs> Jason Blum. I'm kidding. Okay. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh and yeah, so that's all I I don't want to yeah. give away too much. Those are my stats. There.
0: Sure. You know, as a slight tangent or slight like supplemental conversation here, I I'm really kind of bummed that Letterboxd, when they have stats for for our listeners, you can get your stats by becoming a pro member of is just 19 bucks for the full year mm-hmm. totally worth it if you're a stat nerd like us um but one stat that i wish that they would have is i wish that they would have like biggest studio like list like mm. top 10 studios because i okay. think that would be a really interesting stat to to watch um, yeah that would be yeah just because like i want to be able to look at it and be like oh universal had a really good year <laughs> or <laughs> yeah. what have you that I would guess be I just look at that
2: yeah. and see Jason Blum,
1: and I know that mine's Blumhouse.
0: Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, Tiny, how about your letterbox stats?
1: Yeah, uh, so I wrote 14 reviews for nice. the year, um, which I want to get that up next mm-hmm. year, definitely.
0: By the way, guys, Mike, your uh, Slenderman review mm-hmm. was awesome, as well as your Halloween one. Thanks. And Tiny, I loved your Widow's review. Oh, thanks,
1: buddy. Yeah. Yeah. Um so I had two hundred and twenty nine hours total viewing time. Uh biggest Yeah. Uh biggest day of the week was Sunday. I watched almost half my movies on Sunday. Okay. Um yeah. Wow. Um that's when we usually we typically do stuff on Saturday and then take it easy on Sunday, so that's when we end up renting movies and stuff. Love it. Um Yeah. And then I averaged nine point eight per month, two point two per week. Um my first movie of the year was Star Wars The Last Jedi on January 2nd. And my last on New Year's Eve was Bird Box. (laughs) So, And I didn't go into my genres in the last one, but uh, my number one was drama with 56 movies, Mm. uh, just about half. And then action was in second with 37, and thriller was in third with 36th. Uh, sci-fi didn't have a good, not the best year for me. That was, Mm -hmm. uh, sixth with 25 films. That's kind of surprising. My wife is not a big sci-fi fan. That's why I think. Uh, Ah, feel that dog. Feel that dog. Yeah. Yeah. And then, (laughs) uh, my most watched actor, it's a three-way tie between (laughs) Liam Neeson, Simon Pegg, and Woody Harrelson. Not bad. Interesting. Five movies for each of them. So... (laughs) I'm just racking my brain trying to think of all those Liam Neeson movies. Uh, most watched director, number one, uh, two-way, two-way tie between Steven Spielberg and Christopher Nolan. Mm-hmm. Very happy with that. Uh, producer was Stan Lee, which is funny. Writer yeah. Christopher Nolan. Um, yeah, that's, that's about it.
0: Nice. Yeah. Um, so my Letterboxd stats, uh, let's see, uh, <laughs> Um, 660.2 hours. Jesus. I know. (laughs) My God. Yeah. My, uh, highest, uh, my average per, per month was 29.8 average per week, 6.9 movies. Highest, uh, day was also Sunday. Um, 83 films on Sunday. Uh, first movie was nine, uh, which I watched over at a friend's house, uh, New Year's day when hungover. Um, and like, I wanted to make my last movie connect in some way to that. So I wanted to make my last movie, like 10 things I hate about you or <laughs> David Wayne's the 10 or something like that. Yeah. But I ended up just watching pitch perfect three. So okay. no connection, but whatever. Yeah, works, though. Um, yeah, I guess I do have, I do have a very, very nerdy plan for 2019. I kicked it off by watching Blade Runner. Because Blade Runner, of course, takes place in 2019.
3: Right.
0: And so I have every intention of my last movie of 2019 being Blade Runner 2049. Um. Just because. Just because. <laughs> um, so, my top stars like I'm, I'm really excited for 2019 because I have no intention of rewatching all of the Marvel cinematic universe movies. <laughs> um, so I'm going to, I'm going to rewatch infinity war and I'm going to see end game and everything, but in captain Marvel, but in 2018, I rewatched all of them in the lead up to infinity war. So my, so my top stars are basically my top one is Samuel L. Jackson with 14 movies. Actually it's tied with Samuel L. Jackson, 14 movies and Paul Rudd with 14 movies. Um, of the top ten stars, one, two three of them are not affiliated with the Marvel Cinematic universe. <laughs> so yeah, so I'm I'm looking forward to actually like seeing how it is when I'm not like doing like a full franchise or whatever watch. Um assuming that I don't do one. Uh that I don't rewatch a franchise or anything. Uh, top director was Steven Spielberg with 14 movies. And then in second place was, uh, Alfred Hitchcock with five. Uh, so I was really excited about those. Like uh, at one point, uh, they were pretty like neck and neck and I was thinking like, Oh, I could do like, I could kind of like trade off and see like, which one, like which one actually will get the most viewings. But I kind of stopped that after a while. Um, producer Stan Lee, and, yeah, no other real stats. I will say that the most obscure movie I watched, um, it's kind of a funny anecdote. The most obscure movie is this movie called A Thousand Miles Behind, which was actually very good. Um, I watched it as part of Heartland Film Festival, and why it's interesting is because uh, the movie – like letterboxd pulls from not imdb but it's like the internet movie database website it's like a separate not affiliated with imdb um so several uh heartland film festival movies were not on that database so i created a um i created an account on that website and i added the movies myself (laughs) so that's why it's the most obscure (laughs) um yeah so one
2: because one
0: pretty much yeah Yeah. gotcha (laughs) Uh, really good movie though. I definitely recommend checking out our Heartland episodes because I interviewed the filmmakers and they were really cool. Cool. Uh, so yeah, so those those are our stats. Um, really good year, guys. Yeah. <laughs> uh, very excited about that. Um, yeah. You know, anything to combat combat this crushing loneliness I feel. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> um, I don't. <laughs> Uh, I'm just kidding, guys. Mostly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> okay. Let's case get into... <laughs> in point. I was
2: late to recording because I was putting my my two year old son to bed.
0: <laughs> right. Oh, uh, and <laughs> and when I was getting set up, I tweeted a picture of my cat. <laughs> right.
2: That's exactly
3: right.
0: <laughs> yep. So anyway, uh, let's get into. The 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 fun stuff, um, the less methodical stuff. Let's do it, baby. Uh, yeah. So before we get into our actual top ten lists, let's go ahead and just run down if you if we have them um, movies we missed that we didn't get a chance to see in 2018 or in the little grace period we gave ourselves before recording. So, mm-hmm. Mike, are there any movies from 2018 that you wish you would have seen?
2: Yeah, I think Roma is is the biggest one. That's kind of the one that's getting um, all the buzz that that I think we're supposed to be into. Uh, the mm-hmm. favorite, I guess is the other one, but I gotta, I gotta say, I, I don't know. I don't mean to be snob is not the word. I don't mean to be like anti dismissive dismissive, I guess is the word. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just don't want it's just like so, so far afield of anything I'm interested in mm-hmm. that I, I kinda, unless it's nominated for best picture and it probably will be, um, mm-hmm i don't think i'll see it but i so roma and uh the favorite i guess
0: nice tiny
1: how about you uh i got a handful um boy erased looked really good to me um heard about it on npr the um joel edgerton talking about it on npr sounded really good Mm -hmm. um overlord looked like a ton of fun and a lot of people liked it that i missed out on upgrade the same looks super fun and i just had it's not available on vod yet um Mm Beautiful Boy with Steve Carell, which I think just got released or was made available on Amazon Prime. Yep. So I'll probably watch that soon. Mm-hmm. Spider Man into the Spider Verse. Really wish I would have seen that one. Looked super fun. Uh, Love Simon. A lot of, a lot of friends are talking oh, about that one. I oh, wish yeah. I would have seen that. Yeah. Um, A Star is Born. I completely missed. Um, can't wait to see that one. And, uh, First Man for the history it sounds like a historical biopic sounds really good so yeah uh, way too many
0: <laughs> nice um, even though I watched 109 2018 released movies I still had some that I didn't get a chance to see how um, yeah, well right. um, if Beale Street could talk okay which yeah. is uh, Barry Jenkins new movie I've heard a lot of really great things about it it just wasn't playing at to be to be completely honest it wasn't playing at an AMC near me and I'm really <laughs> cheap so, and I didn't feel like driving all the way up to the north side and going to Keystone Art where the seats aren't as comfortable and I have to pay out of pocket. Um, I've grown, I've grown accustomed to a certain lifestyle. Um, <laughs> um <laughs> a beautiful boy. I wish that I would have seen this instead of Welcome to Marwin. Um, when talking about like, uh, Steve Carell movies in 2018. Um, they shall not grow old. Um, the documentary the World War one documentary with uh, uh, re- res or no um, what's the word I'm looking for like uh, rest uh, restored, um, restored footage yeah. footage mm-hmm. from World War one by Peter Jackson um, there was a movie called burning I don't know much about it just that Steve young is in it and it's sound or it's getting a lot of buzz free solo um, which is a documentary about uh I was gonna I was gonna make a really shitty Star Wars joke, but I'm not going to. Um Free Solo is about uh is a documentary about a guy who's climbing uh El Capitan in Yosemite and he's doing it without rope. Like he's oh, wow. free like he's free balling it. Jeez. Um you don't have and to it's do a documentary. That. Huh?
2: That's unnecessary. Why would you do oh, that?
0: Oh, I, kn- I know I <laughs> know. Um, but I've heard incredible things about how like it's inc- like it looks incredible because like the filmmakers are with him and like they're they're friends with him and like I guess there's a lot to it that's like like they're documenting something that they, he could die doing and even worse they they could accidentally cause his death if they get in his way because they're climbing yeah, right. with him. But anyway um and then paddington 2 i heard really great things about it like ridiculously good things about it but i just Hmm. never got around to it so those are my missed uh 2018 movies and uh do you guys want to go into the top 10 or should we pre uh postpone it a little bit more by doing honorable mentions
1: i think we do honorable mentions because we go in ascending order i
0: think
2: we do yeah i I think we got to go with honorable mentions first
1: yeah.
0: Sweet. All right, Mike, do you want to get us kicked <laughs> off with honorable mentions for twenty eighteen?
2: I would love to. You know what's funny? I'm kinda like clicking around here on my letterbox list to get set up because here we go. And what's super mm-hmm. exciting is after we're done with this, I'm actually gonna post this list, which is right now it's private, but I'm gonna I'm gonna make it public <laughs> to uh, to all my followers. Yes, that's I'm excited not even a real too. Thing.
3: Uh, I don't have a lot of followers. <laughs> anyway. Um <clears throat>
2: so do we wanna do we wanna go through just as many honorable mentions as we not as we want? Maybe don't give should we like take turns and give all of them rather than round Yeah, round Yeah. Okay. Yeah, all, so like yeah. you do
0: all your honorable mentions, Tiny will do all his.
2: Yeah. So because I can <laughs> I'm gonna go all the way down to <laughs> twenty. I'm I'm gonna give my ten honorable mentions because I have them here on my list. Uh they are ranked when you see my letterbox list, uh, but everything kinda after ten is just kind of loose, unranked. Um, So, in my honorable mentions, I have Black Klansman, which I loved, 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 A Quiet Place, which I saw early in the year, but... Um, I kind of like time has, has made my love for it diminish a little bit. Blockers, uh, I'm not a huge fan of comedies. They, they usually don't end up on my top 10 lists. Um, but if I could make room for one blockers would be on there searching, I thought was very, very well done, but at the end I couldn't keep it on my top 10 cause it felt like just kind of a, like a Sunday afternoon movie. Um, black Panther is great, but I made room for another movie of similar ilk. Uh, tag, mm-hmm. same deal with blockers. I thought tag had more heart than I expected. Um, game night is another comedy. I think you're getting the theme that I just kind of tend not to include comedies, even though they're some of the sure. most easiest ones to watch. Like, th- 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 mm-hmm. th- these three are ones I'm probably gonna watch with my wife in the next couple of months. Uh, blockers, <laughs> nice. tag, and game night, but whatever. <clears throat> Um, and then if you if you look at my my top horror movies of the year, uh these two are included Unfriended Dark Web. I thought Unfriended is was way smarter uh than a lot of the reviews I saw. I, I thought that was a really good, really effective horror movie. Um Terrifier is disgusting. I've talked about it on this podcast, I talked about it uh in our July episode. Uh it's really, really great if you love gross, gory like terrifying horror uh you'll love it and then uh i i I included deadpool 2 in there uh because i thought it was really good they did a really good job of giving fans enough candy uh to to enjoy it i don't think overall it's one of the best but uh i had a lot of fun with it kind of picking out some of the easter eggs that almost felt like they were from me so those are honorable Mm -hmm. mentions
1: nice nice good list yeah tiny how about you uh, I have quite a few as well but not not quite as many but um uh the first two were just really good action movies that kind of blew me away with their incredible action sequences uh Incredibles 2 and Mission Impossible Fallout. Um I was not expecting that much from Incredibles 2 but man it really blew me away. I just I couldn't believe the detail and the uh just how gorgeous of a movie it was. Mission Impossible Fallout like I think I said, I don't remember if I said it on the podcast, but at one point, like, I think the action sequences are on par with something that, like, Christopher Nolan would do. Mm-hmm. Um, just stuff that you don't understand how they physically did that. Um, just a really incredible movie. Uh, Deadpool 2, um, I thought it had, um, surprisingly a lot of heart, like, uh, genuine moments in it that I wasn't expecting that was dispersed really well throughout the comedy. And I think they, really wove those two genres or feelings together in that movie that surprised me a lot. And I thought it was fantastic. Uh, black Panther, man, I just love, uh, Michael B. Jordan. I love Chadwick Boseman, everybody in those movies, just awesome performances. And, uh, Really cool action. i um, excited to see where they go with that character. Uh, Halloween, I really love that they were just like, all right, let's get back to bare bones, wipe out the last however many movies, and just start back <laughs> with Laurie Strode. That was such a great idea, and it worked to the nth degree. Um, Roma, uh, which we talked about uh, in a previous episode, um... I, I talked about my qualms with it a little bit because it's such a good movie. I feel badly we get off the top ten, um, but I you can hear my qualms in that in that recording. But uh, just gorgeous movie. Un- technically unbelievable movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Dumplin' from Netflix. Um, I just kind of squeezed this in towards the end of the year and was really not expecting anything from it, but it just kind of blew me away. I really love the performances in it. and uh, It has a bit of an agenda, but it feels genuine or like they're not shoving it down your throat. Um, and I, I just enjoyed the way they, way they put that into the script. Um, and then lastly, Operation Finale, which is a movie I'm sure a lot of people didn't know about. Um, it's about the search for and capture of, uh, uh, Himmler after World War II. Uh, he was hiding in South America, um, played by Ben Kingsley. Um, Oscar, Oscar Isaacs is also in it. Uh, incredible performances. The dialogue scenes are, Remarkably tense, uh, just a really well-done film. So those are my honorable mentions. Also in not particular order, just kind of thrown together. Nice. So Yep.
0: Um, brief comment on Operation Finale. There were certain movies throughout the year that I got tickets to with A-List that I ended up canceling the reservation just because... various reasons like i didn't feel like going or i something else came up that's kind of the beauty of a list is you can just easily cancel it (laughs) It doesn't affect it or anything Mm -hmm. um so i had a ticket to see operation finale and then i canceled it and then ended up not seeing a movie and then i thought like i would have more time to see it but it left theaters before i got a chance to see it so it's a bummer yeah so i guess that could have been one of the movies i missed um all right, great. So my honorable mentions, I have five of them um, in alphabetical order. Uh, first one is Annihilation. Um, the reason that it didn't make my top ten is just because I loved Ex Machina so much, and it left such an impression on me. And then after seeing Annihilation, even though technically it's in terms of filmmaking and everything, it is a gorgeous movie and it has a lot to say and everything. It just didn't stick with me the way that Ex Machina did. Um, so that's, it's just an honorable mention. Uh, Black Klansman is phenomenal. Uh, it makes me really want to go back and watch more Spike Lee movies. And just the way that he tied it to our modern era was just, it stuck with me a lot. Uh, Sorry to bother you. Really, really surreal and interesting movie with a lot of social commentary that I, I dug a lot. Spider-Man into the spider verse. Um, I feel like rewatching it, it will, I'll kind of regret not putting it on my top 10 cause it's such a unique, unique animated movie. It's so cool and so good. um, But for now, it's just an honorable mention. And finally, Upgrade, which did spend some time on my top 10, but ultimately I I had to cut it. But just such a cool, cool ass movie. Um, and like people say, like Logan Marshall, Logan Marshall Green, I've seen the comparison that he's like, like, uh, discount store Tom Hardy. Oh my God. And Upgrade is like, yeah. And like, Upgrade is like, like his like discount Venom or whatever um and I'm sad except that
2: Venom is it's way better than Venom
0: right exactly like and I'm so like one of the big problems that I have with not having this on my top 10 is that on my list which I actually just made public on my letterbox by the way um on my when I had it at number 10 I wanted to put the blurb and say that uh upgrade is like the perfect antidote to Venom um Uh.
2: Uh, that's okay. But sadly...
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You quirky bastard. I know. Let's see
2: what you're doing there. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: But yeah, so those are my honorable mentions. Um, by the way, we didn't say this at the beginning, but usually like, we'll shout out the episode title uh, that we like the episode title that we reviewed the movie or talked about the movie in potpourri. Um, we're not really going to do that this year. Um, just if you go to the show notes for this episode, which can be found in your podcast app or at obsessive com slash OV two six, six, uh, you'll find links to all the episodes, uh, where we discuss it. I'll have it all set up and all pretty. Um, Nice. So those are honorable mentions. And then let's postpone just real quickly, um, our top tens by, uh, giving a shout out to a couple of top tens, uh, that we have from our recurring co-hosts. So, um, if you've been listening to the podcast this year, you know that we've gone through a little bit of a shift, I guess. Um, like, like Mike said earlier, we've been talking, we've been doing a lot more like movie reviews and everything. And then we've also had more, uh, guest appearances that have morphed into recurring co-hosts. So a uh, long, long, long time guest, Robert Fekus, is now officially a recurring co-host on the podcast, as well as the newer addition to the roster, uh, my friend Kirsten, she <coughs> is also a recurring co-host. So I put the call out to have them compile top 10 lists for us. So before we get into our top 10 list, I'm just going to run through Fekus's top 10, as well as Kirsten's. Fecus, uh, by the way, had a total of 206 viewings in 2018. Okay. Good and showing,
2: Fecus. Good showing.
0: Yep. Yep. And from 10 to 1, his top 10 is, uh, number 10, Black Clansman. Number 9, Eighth Grade. Number 8, A Star is Born. Number 7, Bad Times at the El Royale. Number 6, Deadpool 2. Number 5, Boy Erased. Number four, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Number three, Overlord. Number two, Vice. And his number one movie of the year, Mr. Robert Feckis named Avengers Infinity War.
1: Nice. He was number All one.
0: Right. He also had some uh a few honorable mentions. He had Mudbound, which technically was twenty seventeen, but that's fine. Uh and a Quiet Place in Aquaman, um, as his honorable mention. Uh and then worst of twenty eighteen, he had Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, uh Ready Player One and Bird Box. Wow. Yep. So, uh, okay, and then Kirsten's top 10, uh, which, by the way, I I saw a total of 37 movies in theaters with her, so of those 87, 37 were with Kirsten. Okay. Um, from 10 to 1. Number 10 was Won't You Be My Neighbor? Number 9, Deadpool 2. Uh, number 8, Black Panther. Number 7, A Quiet Place. Number six, Searching. Number five, Avengers Infinity War. Number four, Blind Spotting. Number three, Overlord. Number eight, or I'm sorry, number two, Eighth Grade. And Kirsten's number one movie of 2018, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Mm,
2: love it. Aw, so, awesome.
0: Yep. Uh, so yeah, so those are our our recurring co-hosts' top ten lists. Uh, you can bug them about it uh, on Twitter at uh, Feckus is at r a Um also on uh, Instagram and uh, Snapchat. He's nerdster three thirty, and Kirsten on Twitter is at burger underscore lurker. So please pester them with your opinions about their top tens. Okay, so guys, we are here. We are. Are it's we time. ready to go through our top ten movies of twenty eighteen?
2: I can't wait. I wait
0: all year for this moment. Me too. Me too. Uh, So let's start with Mike. We'll do our our 10s, round robin, then nines, and then so on and so forth. So Mm -hmm. Mike, hit us with your number 10 movie of 2018.
2: I'd love to. So... In years past, for some reason, I always had this habit of, like, I'll set up the movie in a mysterious way, almost like I'm teasing <laughs> it, and I'll be like, so this movie that I'm going to talk about is blah, 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 blah. And so I'm vowing not, uh, aside from this, obviously, I'm vowing not mm-hmm. to do that this year. And I'm just going to start mm-hmm. by saying my number 10 movie is Avengers Affinity War. Uh, and this movie was actually not on my list uh for a while i kind of left it at the bottom and as i would see good movies i would kind of let it kind of drop out of the top 10 um <clears throat> just because i i know that for a lot of reasons it feels like a complete film but i just know that because we're getting end game and 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 it will feel like another part to that um that It, it just feels like part one of two. And so I couldn't, I couldn't put it up higher on my list. The other thing I want to do with these lists is, is not defend why they're low on the list. When you see a bunch of movies, Mm. to be in the top ten is pretty awesome anyway. And it's all subjective. So the Mm. answer is these are all tied for number one. (laughs) Right? Like, (laughs) good point. That's, that's a little too much. That's, that's not true. But, um, Yeah, I don't want to talk about what I didn't like (laughs) about 10. Being, being number 10 is awesome. Avengers Affinity War, uh, was awesome. I, I think as... Part one of the culminating event of this 10 year process they did. It was breathtaking. Uh, it was beautiful to watch. Um, c- you know, kind of compared to Black Panther. I really loved some of the themes in Black Panther, but I thought that Avengers Infinity War just kind of did it on this bigger scope, which in terms of, uh, you know, comic book movies, um, they keep trying to get bigger. And this one actually kind of felt, uh, as big as it was supposed to felt. The way it juggled multiple characters and multiple storylines was really awesome. Uh, and I just had a lot of fun with it, which I know that, you know, most people did. So easy number 10,
1: Avengers Infinity War.
0: Sweet. Awesome. Nice. Uh, Tiny, how about your number 10?
1: Uh, my number 10 is Hold the Dark, which we talked about in nice. a past episode. We reviewed it and, uh, definitely go there for my my thoughts on that more extensive thoughts um, I really I really just love this movie because it's so unique and so like I, I just appreciated the the sheer darkness of it um, I think a lot of people had trouble with this movie and things to uh, criticize it for and I don't uh, I can't give anyone much friction on that because I understand it was a I think I said in the review that it's Jeremy Saulnier's least accessible of his three major films, mm-hmm. um, and I think it was it was hard to understand. And actually, I think it's more than that. I don't think we're supposed to understand a lot of this movie, uh, the character motivations, stuff like that. It's hard to pin down. But for whatever reason, those things not only did they not bother me, they made me appreciate it more. I think it was just a super super smart script and story that. Forces you to pay attention and doesn't, didn't talk down to the audience at all. Um, and just really, really shocked me and blew me away. Um, also had amidst all of the really quality action films this year, uh, which I mentioned in my honorable mentions. Um, this film being just a, a very dark drama had one of my favorite action sequences of the whole year, mm-hmm. um, which we talked about in our review. Uh, it is a spoiler, so make sure you see the film first. Um, but I just, I, Love Jeremy Sylngier; he just speaks to me on a on a whole other level. And uh, this movie spoke to me, so it's kind of a pretty personal pick. I don't think this movie is going to make a lot of top tens for a lot of people.
0: Yeah, um, and you know, it's interesting because on our review, obviously, I wasn't as high on it as as you were. But right. uh, hearing you speak about it, I I kind of want to revisit it with a more clear focus. But yeah that that sequence that you referenced in particular was was very. Very uh, well done. Yep. Uh, so that's my number ten, Matthew. What is yours? Sweet. My number ten, and uh, I was going to do a whole bid where I was going to do a pun for each one, but I can't think that quickly. Oh, thank God. Um, but <laughs> but I will say that when I when I shared my top ten list with Feckus, he said, "Wow, blockers," <laughs> because blockers is my number ten, and uh, yes, so I. As I said in my stats rundown, one of my top stats was comedy movies, which I just – like, those are the most accessible, the most uh, – like, usually they're an hour and a half to less than two hours. Um, Blockers kind of really shocked me because it is a teen sex comedy that is from the perspective of the adults, and it harkens back – I mean, the, the plot is essentially American Pie – Um, but from the parents' perspective and with a, with a much more focused, like 2018 cultural sensitivity and sensibilities built into it. So it is an extremely sex positive, progressive movie that was really kind of a great bridge between, like, what I loved growing up. When I was in my formative years, I loved, like, R rated teen sex comedies. Um, American Pie was one of my favorite movies, like, at a, m- at an early age. Um, mm-hmm. well, eighth grade. Um, and, like, I loved American Pie too, and, and just, I loved that, like, that rise of just teen, like, raunchy comedies. Um, Can't Hardly Wait comes to mind as well. Um, which actually kind of predates American pie. But what I loved about blockers is that it bridges that nostalgia and that love that I had from my more formative years with the kind of person that I am today, or I see myself as my sensibilities, my sensitivities to like, like, uh, certain like cultural, like, hot button issues and everything. Like it's just a really unique bridge of those two parts of my life that it just, it worked so well for me and I I loved it for it. So, um, also the performances like the triumvirate of John Cena, Leslie Mann and Ike Barinholtz, like their their comedic sensibilities and the way that they played off each other was just spectacular to me. I loved it. And I, I loved the kids in the movie too. Like they were, they were great um (laughs) i also loved seeing uh the kind of stoner guy or kind of like the homegrown like drug guy in blockers be somewhat of a similar character in halloween (laughs) i thought that was kind of (laughs) funny yeah you know Um, what's funny
2: when you talk about the the kind of sex positive tone Mm. about the movie he is kind of one of my favorite characters for that reason i think in a movie maybe 10 years ago you know at the latest 10 years mm-hmm. ago um he would have been like a dick right and yeah. he would oh yeah. he would have tried to um you know coerce the, mm-hmm. the, f- the female lead into doing mm-hmm. something she didn't want to do. And it would have to be her overcoming that situation. Uh, mm-hmm. but I really liked the, the, like the positivity he brought to, the, or at least the script b- brought to that role in, in the way he Absolutely. was respectful to her. And, mm-hmm. uh, like that, it, it wasn't like this anti-sex plot. It was about right. the, the parents, um, mm-hmm. kind of coming to terms with modernity
0: yeah it's and it's just amazing to like think about it like the way that like teen sex on film has come like how far it's come Mm -hmm. um 1999 american pie we have a bunch of horny horny guys setting up a webcam to watch a watch a classmate undress yeah um that leads into just you know what i always refer to as um our generations phoebe cates coming out of the pool from fast times yes. yeah um
1: can you can you imagine that scene today uh, yeah, yeah exactly yeah.
0: like we have that and then now we have blockers where we have respectful and and like uh, open discussions about this kind of things yeah between the characters it's just it's really interesting it's a nice uh i guess i wouldn't say time capsule but it's just interesting uh it's interesting in the way it's indicative of the era that we're in. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I hope I that agree. it's not
2: a time capsule. I hope yeah. that it's a sign of a
1: sign of movies to come. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah, yeah. I loved that none of the dudes in that movie were trying to get laid really hard. Exactly. Yeah. Which yes. again is a big big change. Mm-hmm. That was the women, uh, the girls. That was funny. And then uh, mm-hmm. I absolutely adore Ike Barinholtz.
0: Me too. Yeah,
1: he's. Uh, I think he stole a lot of scenes, and I I loved loved him in this. So he almost made him. my honorable mentions, but not quite.
0: Nice. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's my number 10. Uh, Mike, how about your number nine? My number nine is the Lee L directed upgrade.
2: Uh, and I love this movie so much. This is kind of, so if I take just one, like, eensy step outside of horror, which is my favorite genre, it's, uh, it's forward thinking action sci-fi thrillers. Um, and this movie, not, not plot-wise at all. Um, but just in terms of, um in terms of the way it made me feel it reminded me of movies like Equilibrium in a way it was similar to the Matrix just kind of pushing sci-fi you know 1 inch further into the future with what mm-hmm. we can do with our own bodies or what technology will be able to do with our body uh, like I said Equilibrium uh Ex Machina is kind of another where the story is completely different. They have nothing to do with each other but just that idea mm-hmm. of what what is coming in the future. Um and I just thought Upgrade was so awesome. So it's like I said it was directed by Lee Wan L who uh directed the uh the f- co-co-wrote the first Saw movie uh with James Wan. Uh, was a producer on most of those movies uh was uh kind of switched over to directing later on uh and then he mm-hmm. he did this movie um another Blumhouse movie we mentioned earlier in the podcast that that uh he, Logan Marshall Green is kind of like a poor man's Tom Hardy I th- i know that we celebrate tom hardy and i know that we do it on this Mm -hmm. podcast uh but i think logan marshall green was better in this movie than i've seen tom hardy in in anything in a while um Mm -hmm. we can talk about that at another time but i just thought the performance (laughs) was like seeing someone play uh weird shit happening to your body is a cool thing to watch uh and and yeah. he 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 handles it uh well um i also just think the action was pretty kick-ass uh and it was just a fun fun movie to watch so uh upgrade is my number nine
0: that's yeah well said i agree completely um it's a movie that i'm gonna revisit at like it's going to be kind of on a rotation once i get a copy of it um yeah it's a movie i imagine i'll watch again
2: Uh, like of this list it's it's in the top three of like yeah i'll probably see that again soon yeah
0: it'll be one of your six rewatches in 2019 (laughs) that's right yeah yeah uh, Tiny, how about your number,
1: uh, nine? Yes, my number nine is the documentary Won't She Be My Neighbor. Nice. Um, I watched this recently. It's one of the 2018 movies I kind of squeezed into this last month. Uh, happily so. It was a must watch for the year for me. Um, what, what's so great about the documentary, uh, directed by Morgan Neville is that they managed to, uh, illustrate how culturally and socially and politically important Fred Rogers was as a person um, and how his program really influenced decades and, and, and children for decades, uh, which not a lot of people have done. And I think it's interesting that he was influential and he was famous from the late sixties all the way into the nineties. He was on television for over 30 years Um I I I really wish we had someone like him now. I th- I think not only was he so relevant, but he did it without ever saying bad stuff about people or trolling people. He did it without social media and the internet. He had the single forum and he was always about being good and nice and positive and caring for your fellow man. It wasn't he was always inclusive and he wasn't 100% perfect but he was about as close to perfect as a person can get when Mm -hmm. it comes to his message and, and influencing children and teaching children. Um, he's a uh, one of a kind person. I I, I think he's beyond once in a lifetime. He is a, I don't, I don't know that we'll ever have anyone like Fred Rogers again. Mm -hmm. Um, and this documentary just shined a beautiful light on that. And, uh, it was emotional and it was funny and it was sad. And, uh, you know, I, I was just, I forgot how much I liked uh, Mister Rogers um, as a kid, and it brought back all these memories and nostalgia, uh, which is a great thing that a documentary can do. Uh, and I, man, it just it just hit all the right emotional notes for me. It was really, really well done.
0: Nice. Uh, I'm so glad that you got a chance to see that. Me too. Uh, by yeah. the end of 2018, um, my number nine is Blind Spotting. With David Diggs and Rafael Casal?
1: Rafael Casal,
0: yeah. There you go. Um, it was one of the movies that I saw a couple times, um, over the course of 2018. Um, just the way that this movie depicts Uh, uh, Collins, like, last three days on probation, uh, in the movie. Um, the way that it depicts his anxiety, his, um, the way that he internalizes the crime that he saw and the way that that impacts his daily life in those last three days of probation is just remarkable. That, and then it also adds this layer of being about, like, racial identity and, and, uh, being, like, uh, being influenced or impacted by gentrification in your neighborhood and losing your identity within your, within your home and everything. Um, just a really well balanced movie that had a lot of good, like, uh, kind of subtle comedic beats and dramatic beats. It, it really uh, handled that really well. Um, like there was the, um, Ant-Man-esque uh, retelling of the incident outside of the, the club. (laughs) Yeah. That was just fantastic. But then it's also balanced by like the incredibly raw motion of the rap scene at the end. Um, as well as the courtroom dream sequence, like this movie had so many scenes that were just really, uh, perfect at depicting or, or accentuating what the themes of the movie were and what, like the emotion of, of it. And also, um, the way that it's – like we've – I've said this before. I'm a 32-year-old white man in Indianapolis. Like I felt the fear and anxiety and the stress that Colin felt in the movie as just a black man walking down the street. Like that was depicted so um, – so strongly that i just i really felt for him and it's just it's an incredibly powerful movie in my book um that's blind spotting and that's my number nine
1: sweet yeah uh
0: mikey how about your number eight love it number
2: eight for me is mission impossible fallout nice uh for a long while i had this higher up on my list i think uh to be honest i think pat kind of talked me out of it a little bit i don't know why I don't know why. I feel like maybe this should be higher. Wh- whatever. Again, I'm, like, debating numbers here. It doesn't matter. What matters is that I think Mission Impossible is state-of-the-art action thriller.
1: Yes. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, state-of-the-art. By it, by its definition, right, I think we throw that term around. what that means is, as the art mm. form is concerned, this is the best we 've seen. It is the best mm. action movie i 've ever seen the The set pieces are mind boggling. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, the stunts, which, you know, I don't care how many Tom Cruise actually does versus whatever. Uh, somebody right. is doing those stunts and they look incredible. Um, what I loved this time around, I know a lot of people really celebrated these last two Mission Impossible pictures. Um, but I, f- I found them to be a little wanting when it came to, um, uh, character development, right? I, like almost like they were like, We know who these characters are from the first three movies. We don't need any more development in this film for those last two. Uh, and this movie said, maybe we do. Maybe, maybe we ought to give every character an arc this time around. And we saw, we saw some romance. We saw Simon Pegg get an arc. I think in certain ways we even saw Ethan Hunt, uh, get an arc, uh, that we haven't had since Michelle Monaghan in, in part three. And they bring her Mm -hmm. back in this movie there was just so much for like fans of the series fans of action movies fans of tom cruise to really get into here uh i think it's the best that action has to offer uh, and i just loved it so much
0: absolutely well said and i will be talking about that later (laughs)
1: yeah great great points absolutely (laughs)
2: nice thank you
0: yeah uh tiny uh, yes, eight.
1: my number eighth, and I didn 't realize i I made this little <laughs> hiccup, but I put eighth grade in the eighth slot, uh, which was <laughs> completely unintentional uh, but it just it just turned out that way. Um, this is one of the like most bittersweet, sweetly sorrowful films i 've ever seen because mm-hmm. um, there 's so much tragedy or not not necessarily tragedy but sadness in this film and you feel sympathy for the character or characters but it's amazing how especially the the lead uh character kayla played by lc fisher remains positive throughout this whole movie like i feel like this movie that's what blew me away about this i feel like it could have been it could have been quite a downer and just not a little too dark or too dramatic, but she she maintains her positivity throughout the whole movie. And I was just like, How does she do that? I don't understand how she did that. And that really surprised me with this. Mm-hmm. Um and I think it's it's kind of um I feel like so much so much of modern culture, especially with youth, is very, uh very um flash in the pan, very surface uh joy. It's all social media and oh look what I'm wearing and I'm happy, but then on underneath there's a lot of sadness and I feel like she was the opposite of that. You know, so a lot of the other characters were very self-centered and all about that, you know, me generation kind of thing. Um, not that I'm a, on my soapbox about that stuff, but, um, <laughs> like some people are, but I just feel like she really kind of, she bucked the trend by trying to embrace that culture. And it, it was just, it was strange how it worked out. Um, and it's so culturally, culturally relevant for, for the times right now. Um, it's most films about social media are not, uh, not that well done. I don't think. And this, this goes beyond commentary on what it's like to grow up in the 21st century. Um, it's, it's more than that, but it's also one of the best, best examples of that, that I think I've seen. Um, and you know, it's, it's funny, it's dramatic. Um, I think, the dad played by josh hamilton was like one of my heroes of the year oh yeah I, there's uh, yeah. there's a scene a very heartfelt scene at a camp at a campfire that he has with his daughter that i thought was like just such a beautiful thing for a father to say to his daughter like if i ever have a daughter i hope i can tell her something that heartfelt uh, yeah. one day you know it was it was, that's how good that was um and to think that it all came from the mind of 25 year old beau burnham However young he is, yeah.
0: freaking uh, genius! Uh, yeah, he's, like, he's literally a genius. I
1: am blown away by that guy every time I see anything he does. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was—I uh, almost wish I would have put it higher on the list. Now, now that I'm talking about it again, <laughs> um, I definitely want to see it again. Just, just a really, really great movie.
0: Very nice. Yeah. Um. So here's where I'm. I'm gonna pause briefly and just kind of say that my—I don't remember if I said this, but. I was. I'm really proud of my top ten list, um, and I'm very pleased with how I was able to see so many movies and like use those movies to kind of, you know, sculpt a top ten list. Um, the reason why I'm pausing here is that a running kind of trend throughout my top ten list from here on out really is this idea that, like, as a movie, as a, as each individual movie on my top ten list. Uh, from here on out, like they most, most, if not all of them have something that I just, I don't understand as a consumer of film mm. media. Like, it's just like it, d- these movies do something wholly unique that I was kind of blown away by. So having said that, my number eight is actually A Quiet Place, John Krasinski's uh, directorial debut. Um, It utilizes sound and the sound mixing and the absence of sound in such an incredible and intense way that I like it's one of my favorite like theater experience that I've had in recent memory if not ever because it was I saw it opening weekend it was a packed house it was in the most intense way it was silent um, both on screen and in the theater. Like everyone was quiet. Um, we were, everyone was en- enveloped into the, into the narrative. And this is a movie that I like, I can't believe that they were able to do what they did because this is a movie that has uh, su- subtitles from American sign language and complete like dialogue lists, scenes for the entirety of, like, the opening, probably 10, 10 minutes of the movie is just completely silent. And it's just remarkable that that effect, you know, brought, drew us into the story in such a way that I was just really gripped in, really into it. Um, and one of the kind of, not issues, but one of the um, fears that I had was that, is this going to have, is this going to have, like, an impact when I watch it later? Like, is this just a one and done? Like, Oh, this was a really interesting kind of conceit. Is it going to hold up to repeat viewings? And this wasn't on my top 10 list. This was an honorable mention like two weeks ago. And then I rewatched it at home and I was just blown away all over again. I think that was like my third time seeing it a uh, total. And like, I was just, I was just so impressed with everything about it. Even though, even though like the, the, Monster designs are a little um, derivative or what have you. And you can nitpick the movie to death. Like, oh, what happens when you have diarrhea or you fart or whatever? What happens to people that snore? (laughs) That's where you
3: go. Yeah.
0: (laughs) But, like, you can can try to, like, nitpick it to death. But the fact remains that this is just a remarkably well-constructed, thriller that on paper should be gimmicky or should be uh, kind of something that overstays its welcome but it really doesn't and a lot of that is also the family narrative um, in the movie that it's just they're dealing with such an intense thing and an intense history that I was just really into it um, really great so yeah that's my number eight um, A Quiet Place and I will be quiet now as Mike um <laughs> I thought yeah. we said no puns. I know!
1: <laughs> I'm sorry. It's like it's like asking Matt not to breathe. Yeah, I right, know, right?
3: right. <laughs>
2: uh, <clears throat> so I think we've got our first repeat here, Tiny. Mm. Uh, so my number seven is Once You Be My Neighbor. Uh, and kind of for all the same reasons, plus two points, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> uh, I also loved Once You Be My Neighbor. I think... Uh, there's something so strikingly unique about Fred Rogers that, kind of like I said to you, or kind of like you said, uh, there just, there doesn't exist people like that, uh, in this Mm -hmm. world anymore. And especially as a young father and, and a teacher of teenagers, I think about how valuable, uh, his message, uh, just of, of being good to people, uh, is today. I, I think, um, I wish there was a show like his, or I wish at least his themes and his ideas, uh, were still being perpetuated by somebody, anybody. I don't know. We, we, we yeah. need that. We need that kind of love. Um, just, you know, loving other people. Um, I say that a lot. I, I tell a lot of people that I love them, and I think it's a, I think it's a, a, a term that, I don't know, somewhere along the line, it, it, it got icky or uncouth or unbecoming to, to, um, to refer to anybody who's not family as someone that you love. Uh, and I think Fred Rogers was kind of all about that. I mean, he, he loved all the kids that he, uh, worked with. And, you know, I tell my students that I love them. I, I, I just think it's, um, um, it's a word or a feeling or an attitude that we need to bring back, uh, and that movie really uh simultaneously made me feel that feeling and also made me sad that that feeling is gone in a way um so i I, I kind of loved the 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 hopefulness of the picture uh, and I was also kind of gripped by the the not only the sadness of his death but that his death also um brought upon. The the, you know, his message is kind of uh, withered a little bit over time.
0: Well said. Well said. And I'll bring that up later. Also, (laughs) nice. Um, Right. Yeah. Uh, Tiny. uh, Our second repeat. What's number seven? Second
1: repeat. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, A quiet place, like Matt just Hmm. talked about. Um, I agree with everything you said. You you said it well. Um, I think. Uh, you talked about the sound a lot and that was so integral but i think um because you can't there wasn't much dialogue and you can't speak or make noise um that is a huge uh advantage in the idea that you know this is a visual medium first mm. you know movies started out without sound um and so i think it's it, it's gotten harder and harder over the years to convey messages visually I think I think it's it's become more commonplace to just kind of tell your audience instead of showing your audience mm. and in this movie they didn't have the option to do that very much um, and I think they just demonstrated it visually really well um, there's a scene where there's a couple scenes but one in particular where falling water like a waterfall is used to mask noise mm-hmm. and no one says it really Mm -hmm. someone says it in the first the first scene where it's used but later on in the film it's used to great effect and you know i think it's just it was was an example of showing your audience not telling them and Mm -hmm. nobody was confused as to how that whole scenario was working you know i think everyone was like oh that's clever or that's a cool use of sound and visuals at the same time um, without someone just saying a stupid line of dialogue, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and and that's really incredible for someone who's not really known as a writer, John Krasinski, right? Um, yeah. So yeah, first time I think it was was he a first time writer on this as well?
0: First time writer, I think this was his second. I don't know. D- oh, no no no! I think it was his directorial debut.
1: Yeah yeah. I know it was his directorial debut, but I didn't okay. know if he'd written something before. But yeah um, yeah. And uh, also one, I'm not kidding. One of my favorite endings ever oh interesting that's how much i love that ending wow like i i don't and i can't even put my finger on i need to see the movie again i've only seen it once mm-hmm. but i can't put my finger on exactly what it was i think it was just the camera work and the the build-up to that to that moment and just the the whole mother-daughter thing mm-hmm. and the click of a shotgun, I'm sorry, the racking of a shotgun is one of the most mm-hmm. satisfying sounds in the world. I just <laughs> love it. Uh, yeah. And so that, that ending, I, I literally, I was at home by myself. It was like 11 o'clock and I like stood up. I was like, yeah, like I did a fist pump. <laughs> That's how much I loved that ending. Wow. It's pretty silly. Um, yeah. So, interesting. A Quiet Place was such a great movie. I really loved the, uh, all the techniques used throughout the movie were really impressive.
0: Mm-hmm yep nice um and since that's going to be the last we talk about a quiet place i think um just real quick uh i thought the ending was a little abrupt um Hmm. wasn't my favorite part but i it still didn't detract from the movie for for me um also i just want to mention how freaking cool is it that they got like an actual like deaf child actress to to play that role and she was she was great nice touch um yeah i thought that was that was awesome Mm -hmm. um so yeah so that brings us to my number seven yep yes my number seven is another repeat uh, mission impossible fallout mm. um i said this when i was on the nerd you're looking for but if you had told me two one two years ago that i would have the sixth installment of the mission impossible franchise <laughs> on my top 10 list mission impossible six And like, if I, like, if you would have told, if you would have, if you would have told me that and also said that you will, you will buy the Blu-ray set of all the movies and you will rewatch Fallout and then want to immediately watch it again, I would be, well, first I would say, what, what's Fallout? Um, (laughs) but second I would say, like, you're joking because I had no allegiance to Mission Impossible Fallout. I think really a good percentage of the reason why I even saw this movie was because A-list happened mm-hmm. and I could get a ticket very easily. Um, so I had just reserved a ticket. I re, I, I went through and watched the franchise. I wrote reviews on Letterboxd and everything. I was primed for it, but it still blew me away. Um, like you said, Mike, the, 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 the techniques used, like it is, like you said, it is state of the art in every sense of the, of the, of the phrase. Um, it is, just, there are so many moments in this movie that I can't believe can be achieved in camera practically. Um, the whole chase sequence with, uh, that's a little vague. The motorcycle uh, chase sequence, <laughs> the way that the camera just flows through it and it's the fluidity of that. And it's so like, it's not quick cut, quick cut, quick, quick cut it's all just focused and it is so coherent and so well constructed that i'm just blown away that it's that it's possible to do this without taking shortcuts or anything absolutely um and like when i was watching it um this is cuz i don't i don't know how people are going to take this but all i like i was thinking like mikey said that you don't care about like okay what tom cruise did or didn't do like in terms of actual doing the stunts Mm -hmm. but like he pushes himself so much for these movies um like he like he flew i i guess he like learned how to fly that helicopter Mm -hmm. um so that he could actually like control it to an extent um and like he does all of these stunts and everything and i'm just like sitting there thinking like (laughs) i don't know i might have to cut this out but um Maybe Scientology is, like, the one true religion because he is still alive. <laughs> like, like, he has some kind of, like, magic force protecting him. Um, but in all seriousness, like, the sequences in this movie are amazing. The halo jump is astounding. Mm-hmm. Like, it is... Again, I don't understand... How it's possible to do that. Like, not, not just the whole fact that, oh, Tom Cruise and Henry Cavill or their stunt doubles or however they configured it did that, but the fact that you can have a third person or uh, multiple people do it with a camera Film attached it. to them yep. and get it filmed. Like, it is outstanding. Mm, yep. Um, and just, it is so incredible. Um, just, and, and to your point, Mike, about, having more character development. That's one thing that I really loved about this movie is that it actually gives depth to, um, to, to Ethan Hunt as a character mm-hmm. without giving him like a, a damsel or getting, get, going the route that like JJ Abrams did. Not that I didn't like mission impossible three, yeah. but like, it's very much like a, Oh, spy has a family thing here. It's spy has, you know, uh, his, uh, his conscience is mm-hmm. kind of coming into play and like, he's one, like he's worried that he can't make a crucial decision and everything. And it's they great also aged we, him,
2: which I love or, uh, or not yeah. aged him, but they let him yeah. age. They let him right. be 50. I thought that was awesome. Right.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I have a, but on the other hand, Tom Cruise still looks great. Wow. Like, sure. Right. Yeah. Um, again, one true religion apparently, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm really sorry if I offend anyone. But anyway, um, so I'm not a Scientologist, guys. I don't – I can't afford it. Um, (laughs) So – but yeah, it's just – I love the depth that they they give to that character. And I love that giving him that depth is – it's it's not a leap. It's not like – something that's constructed for the movie or anything it fits in well with like it it effectively i wouldn't even say it's a retcon but for the sake of this little discussion or whatever it's like they safely retcon something about his character and make it so fluid and so organic to the entry that we're in and Mm -hmm. it also ties in with characters that we've had you know we've we've come to admire and, and enjoy mm-hmm. throughout the other entries in the franchise um also final thing i'll say about fallout um the ending like the helicopter chase everything that they have All to do
3: it.
2: yes
0: so intense yes like it reminds me of like the feeling i get when i rewatch like back to the future yeah where they have so many different like moving parts and And a ridiculously low amount of time to do it, and like it is so just like I was I was so in it, like I was so there. (laughs) Um, Yeah, the helicopter crash was
2: my favorite stunt. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I wish there were I wish there was a more sophisticated word than intense, but they I know though the word was made for the how you feel at the end of that movie. Oh, absolutely! Just they. They were going for intense, and they hit mm-hmm. it more than I've ever seen. It was awesome.
0: Oh, yeah. Yep. And, uh, yeah, to kind of round it out, it is one of the best, if not the best, action movie I've, I've seen. Mm-hmm. Like, it is just, it is so good. It's so transcendent. It's, mm-hmm. it's an incredible achievement in terms of filmmaking and everything about it. It's, it's really great. Nice. Nice. Yep, and that's my number seven.
2: So, talking about action movies, a perfect segue into my number six, uh, the action film *A Star Is Born*. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm kidding, of course. Uh, no, but it is probably the 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 most darling critically uh, of all the movies on my list, uh, and maybe of of any of our lists. But I will say it is as good as advertised. the The performances uh, by Lady Gaga. And Bradley Cooper are fantastic. Uh, I don't know what their lives are like in real life, but it's one of those ones where you believed that they were in love with each other. Um, to watch her star rise throughout the movie was great. And when she sings, when they perform Shallow, uh, and she comes on and does her, her little wail, uh, coming out of the bridge into the mm-hmm. last chorus. I literally had chills and a lump of cry in my throat. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's clearly why they used it as like the focal point of the trailer. Um, I thought the movie was beautiful, haunting at the end. There were a few times where I felt like, um, you know, as her, as her fame is on the rise and Bradley Cooper's character, uh, is kind of dropping off, he kind of does a line where he talks about how throwaway pop music is, right? And how bad pop music is. Um, and I don't so much love that the film, uh, is in his favor. I don't like that the film essentially proves him right. She does a performance, uh, in character on SNL, and it's awful. The song is awful. Uh, and he, and he is kind of correct in his criticism of pop music. What bums me out is that I don't have that criticism of pop music, or at least the pop music I don't love. Um, I'm able to say, well, that's not for me, but that is definitely a, a, a form of art. And I'm surprised. That Lady Gaga, who I think pushes the boundaries of what pop music is, allowed that, that tone to be set about two thirds of the way through the movie. So I don't love that. I, I like the interaction because it's heartbreaking and he's vile, some of the things he says to her. Um, mm-hmm. but I, I would like that they would have stayed a little more neutral about, um, her rise to fame. Other than that, though um it, it's i i mean i had so many like lump of cries in my throat as i was watching the movie uh and it stuck with me for a long time especially that soundtrack
0: oh yeah um i really wish i would have had the chance to see this again because i saw it i saw it once in theaters and then they had the uh <laughs> uh dolby re-release in okay. theaters that i like uh, a peek behind the curtain or whatever. Like here I live on the West side of Indianapolis and the nearest Dolby theater is like way up North and it's a drive. It's like, there's a lot of, you know, traffic on that side of town and it's just a huge, just hassle. Um, and I wish that it was closer cause I would have totally seen it in Dolby. Um, just for like the soundtrack and everything. Mm-hmm. um, even though it didn't make my list or my honorable mentions, I it's a strong, strong performances out of both Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga. Lady Gaga was incredible in this movie.
3: Yes, yeah.
0: Um, and yeah, and th- there's a thing. I, well, I'm not going to spoil it, but the way that Bradley Cooper, uh, the way the way that the movie shot, kind of at the end, uh, there's kind of a a certain sequence at, at toward the end of the movie that I thought was just very bu- beautifully uh, captured uh, on film. I thought it was, it just looked really cool. Um, and, and beautiful. So Mm -hmm. yeah, that's cool. Nice. Uh, so tiny. Yes.
1: How about your number six? My number six is, uh, black Klansman, uh, which is a movie. I wasn't sure how I was going to react to it because I'm very up and down on, uh, Spike Lee. Mm -hmm. Um, and lately I haven't been a big fan Um, probably since inside man, that was probably the last time I really enjoyed a Spike Lee movie. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, I I think he can be, when he's on, I think he's really great and he was on this time. Uh, the, this story should, it has no business existing. (laughs) Like this, (laughs) this should not be a true story. Something so, uh, out there and ridiculous and, just how does this happen? It's, it's really incredible. Um, and that's what blew me away more than anything is how, how unique the story is. And, um, just the fact that it ever happened is just really incredible. Um, and I, I think there's, uh, d- despite all that, I really love the characters in the, in the movie. Um, uh, the, uh, the lead character is, you know, an actor I wasn't familiar with at all. And, uh, <laughs> Um, oh, uh, John David Washington. Sorry, mm-hmm. um, played Ron Stallworth. I I wasn't familiar with him at all, and he just came out of nowhere and really blew me away. Um, I've talked a lot about how much I like Adam Driver. Um, and then uh, it's always fun to see Topher Grace. I think I just, I think I enjoy him as an actor, and I think he does really well on both comedy and drama. Um, and just, I never would have thought that Topher Grace would play David Duke. Uh, just yeah, kind of he a, plays uh,
2: such a good villain. I, I he, he does. Does, really job. does.
1: Yeah. I he's, really enjoyed him.
0: He's that charming, mm-hmm. just charming guy. It's, 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 it's great. Sorry yes, absolutely.
1: But, uh, I, the first time or when I saw the film, my initial reaction to the ending was a little bit negative or a little bit tainted. Mm -hmm. Um, I just, the way, like just the way the American flag was used just at the end kind of hit me and I was just like, Oh, I'm not sure how I feel about that. And I kind of didn't like it. But as I sat with the film, I think it was the right choice to make. Mm -hmm. And I think it makes sense. And I kind of changed my mind on it. Um, because this, this movie does not have really a political agenda throughout it. Uh, it's, it's really just telling the story and there's, there's an underlying message there, obviously that's not hard to pick up on. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't shove any kind of agenda down your throat. But then at the end, you know, Spike Lee tax on this, this ending that really uh, brings it, updates it to the issues we face today and how people think that, cause we had a black president that racism is over. It's not, and it's still, it's still a problem, and, and, you know, this, this movie was a bit of a, uh, kind of shined a light on that, and, and really, kind of updated the story to a modern audience, and, and I actually ended up appreciating the, the ending a lot more as I sat with it and thought about it, and, uh, I think it was a good, like I said, it was a good choice, so, um, yeah, I just, the story is just unbelievable.
3: Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Not to get too political. I, I think we try not to do that on this podcast. Um, but you said something about how, what did you say about how it doesn't have, or oh, it doesn't have an agenda or something like that? And we live mm-hmm. in an era of bipartisanship. And people know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about Fox mm-hmm. News. I'm talking about any, you know, any of the, the liberal news media, right? Whatever. That, um, mm-hmm. That any time it seems like something is shining a light on just something that is true, that one side doesn't like, it feels like an agenda. Right. Right, And and so what I love so much about Black Klansmen, kind of like you said, I don't know that it's necessarily an agenda. This is just something that happened and something that is also still true, and its detractors Are like, well, that's an agenda. You got the. It's not an agenda. If you're just showing something that's true, it just feels like an agenda because it's something that your side disagrees with.
0: Exactly. Right. Yes. Well said. Yes. Um, It's the same thing with our president.
2: And I'll stop there because I I really don't (laughs) want (laughs) to.
0: Yeah. It's it's a horse in a hospital. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I I think that just. uh, Yeah. Instead of saying it has an agenda, just say it has a position. Sure. <laughs> and it's just presenting something there. Like, uh, Tiny, to what, to what you said about it, the ending just had a kind of profound effect on me. Cause I'm not too, I, I haven't seen a Spike Lee movie in a long time previous to Black Klansman. And so I just wasn't really prepared for him to <coughs> tie it into the current day. Um, the way that he did. And like just the, what, how he did it was just, very uh, shocking and it's just, just footage. It's just footage, right. Um, and then the, the way that the flag is displayed at the end, as you said, I, that just really hit home to me and just like was, uh, what I thought a perfect button on the movie and its position. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so that brings me to my number six mm-hmm. and my number six is the HBO original movie. I believe, uh, the tail with Laura Dern, directed, written and directed by Jennifer Fox. And I talked about this on a previous episode. Um, but the tale just really had just a profound effect on me. Um, the tale is a movie about Laura Dern playing Jennifer Fox herself. Uh, she's playing the writer and director of the movie. She's a documentarian who discovers or uncovers the fact that she was that her memory of her first boyfriend was actually a sexual assault and, and, and rape and, and just, just heinous predatory behavior. And she finds this out after the discovery of an eighth grade story that she wrote. Um, and so the whole movie is her basically going back and, and recontextualizing her memories of, what happened and coming to terms with with the trauma that she that she endured and how it affected her life and everything and what's what strikes such a chord with me in this movie is is there are two things about this movie uh to tie it back to my kind of my thesis statement for the top 10 that it's stuff that i've never seen or unique film techniques um it plays with memory in a very like impactful way so there's a scene where you see her memory of her introduction to um to some uh, characters who uh are less than uh who, who are predators essentially um and her memory is her as a as a young adult woman um but then she sees like a picture of her at the age in which she met him met them and it's like oh that's how small i was that's how much of a child i was so then you see a flashback of that scene again with a different actress of a younger age being introduced to them and it just brings home just how how fragile like uh, our memories can be and how how the the mind just kind of tries to protect you in in ways and the most like jaw dropping and emotionally resonant part of the movie is that it depicts her trauma in very like vivid detail in very, um, very, uh, shocking manners, not like gratuitous or anything, but it just depicts it in a very raw and just very hard to watch, like kind of, uh, kind of manner and this movie is jennifer fox's true story like she really lived through this she lived through uncovering these memories she lived through through, um confronting people that did like did horrible things to her and everything and she made this film and it's one of the most cathartic things i've ever seen because she made this film laura dern plays her and she didn't change her name or anything. It's just, like, it is the most courageous piece of filmmaking I, I saw all year. I just thought it was really just emotionally just incredible. Like, it's just, it really stuck with me and, and hit a chord. Um, and that's the tale, and it's on HBO.
1: Nice. Yeah.
2: Right on. I didn't get yeah. a chance to see that one. Uh, uh, so we're in the top half. Hopefully you guys yep. are still with us. Right. Uh, we're more than hashtag an hour top in. five more than two hours in oh geez
0: I think so yeah, <laughs> yeah. In there yeah
2: maybe some maybe you ought to put a timestamp that says if you just want the top ten skip ahead to whatever
0: <laughs> yeah yeah I'll, I'll put in the show notes like timestamps for ten through six and then five through one
2: <laughs> so uh my number five is annihilation and it was my number one for a while because I just I love uh sci-fi, horror uh, kind of movies. Uh, I love that it's an all-female cast. I think that's so cool. Mm-hmm. I think the performances are great. Um, it kind of blew my mind a lot. Uh, I know in the past I've kind of complained about ambiguity in movies, but I don't know that this movie was all that ambiguous uh i think it it left a lot of questions on the table but not for the sake of art just for m- more like the sake of um storytelling and mystery right it's it, mm-hmm. the questions are left unanswered because the characters don't know the answers and i kind of find that a little bit fun um more than anything this movie belongs on my list for the creature effects about halfway in Yes. Where, um, I guess that I shouldn't spoil, because the movie's only a mm. year old and people might watch it. Um, but so one of the twists. Twist is the wrong word, but when they go mm. into this area that they're studying, uh, they find that, um. Oh, g- creatures are kind of melding together. Something is not quite off, uh, and so. One of the members of the cast is killed off, uh, and she, uh, I guess I'll say parts of her come back in a way. And so we <laughs> see a creature um, about halfway through that it, it, I don't even know that I'd call Annihilation a straight-up horror movie, but it was one of right. the scariest scenes I saw all year, uh, mm-hmm. f- frankly because of the sound design. As well as the yeah. creature design, I just I loved that so much, and I couldn't get it out of my head for a long time.
1: Mm-hmm. Nice. I love and I don't click. I, Sorry, guys. This is true. Sorry.
2: Yes. This is, <laughs> this is absolutely true. I
1: yeah. can't disagree with anything you said, though. It, the, those were, it was a good movie. I just, man, I just can't. There's some some disconnect there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the creature effects were. Fantastic. Yeah. Agreed.
0: Yeah. And, and like I said in my honorable mentions, it's not, I didn't dislike the movie. It just wasn't as thought provoking as X Machina was. And maybe it's mm, a fault yeah. on my part that I'm inherently comparing the two films. Um, but, uh, yeah. I mean, I've rewatched it a couple times and it holds up. It just doesn't have as deep an impact as, uh, as i was gonna make a stup- as deep an impact as my independence day or armageddon life or something no I don't know. No, no we've been recording for a while yeah T- uh, tiny <laughs> you're number five <laughs>
1: uh my number five is sorry to bother you um nice. which was uh I, you know it's one of the more i keep using the word unique i need to dive into a thesaurus or something, but one of the more unique <laughs> films of the year, one of the more unique films I've seen, um, uh, written and directed by uh, Boots Riley. Um, I The movie was kind of like, to contextualize it, was almost like the baby of uh, Spike Jones and Spike Lee. I think I said that at some point. Uh, you um, said
0: Charlie Kaufman and Spike Charlie Lee. Charlie
1: Kaufman and Spike Lee, yeah. Uh, similar thing, though. Yeah. But, um, yeah, just a really it's a really weird ass movie in such a charming way. <laughs> um, and it's, I, I think it's, um, you know, it's it, the film points a light or it kind of a, um, focuses on what it's like to be black in 2018, you know, in, in the 21st century. And, you know, it's, it's reminded me of like, get out in, in that re in that, uh, that respect, uh but i i appreciated this more I, I liked this more than get out i think it was a little it was a little braver and a little uh a little more um just braver is the is the, the better word i think it was it took it took a few more risks um i really loved the the whole concept of like a white voice <laughs> um which was you know it's it, not everyone could make that work and he made that work really well in this movie. Um, and it's, uh, it's, it's a super weird plot and just very, um, it's kind of hard to watch at times, but in a really satisfying way, like a train wreck, you know, it's hard to watch, but you can't look away. Um, and I just, I love the performances. Um, Lakeith Stanfield is just crushing it um Mm -hmm. he's having such a great he was also in in get out um he's on atlanta as well Mm -hmm. really really good actor um and tessa thompson as well is blowing up right now um loving her performances and everything uh but yeah it's such a like i it's almost like i don't really want to talk about it too much you just it's a movie you got to experience uh you can't even it does not fit into a box at all um it's like i said it's it's funny a lot of the time it's dramatic it's almost scary a few times Mm -hmm. um but yeah just super super unique film and uh and and just satisfying in so many ways uh i I just really loved it i I can't even like i said it's hard to articulate (laughs) exactly what goes on in this movie
0: there's a scene where uh i think it's like keith stanfield in uh another character i don't remember who it was exactly But they're have, they're at odds. They're having a conversation. I think it might have been Stephen Young's character. Maybe, I don't know. But anyway, they're having, they're having an argument where they're being polite. And it's like this satirical kind of like back and forth of like this corporate kind of politeness that's like double talk and double speak and, and just really, uh, passive aggressive. And it's just, it's, it's one of my favorite scenes of the (laughs) year. Um, but yeah, that movie is, is, is really good. Um, and had I watched less movies, I probably would have made my top 10, but nice. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so that brings me to my number five. Um, and my number five movie is hereditary. Um, Oh man. Okay. Love so it. yes. Love Hereditary. <laughs> oh mm-hmm. yeah. I might so, talk about that movie too. I, me too. Yep. And, uh, so I'll be brief, but Hereditary had a very, like, uh, a very harsh impact on me. So there is a scene, I'm not going to give it away, but there, like anyone who's seen it knows what scene I'm talking about, um, that propels the movie into like its next act or it's like the second, I don't think half, but like the set, the second act of the movie, um, the way that 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 sequence is shot, and the way that it's the way that it's handled, and the fallout of that scene, um, like the way that a character just reacts to it, and it's very internal and just and just very. Oh, I can't I can't describe it, but like that single sequence alone stuck with me for. I'm not joking. Like it was like two weeks later. I'm laying in bed. And I'm thinking I'm thinking about that and I'm having this just visceral reaction to it just like being just so disturbed by it. Mm-hmm. Um
2: me too. And, Can I just say yeah. I, like mm-hmm. after I saw that uh I watched it the night before we left for like a family vacation to Florida. <laughs> and I so I drove the whole way there and I would just kind of be quiet for a little while and my wife would be like mm-hmm. what what's the matter? Are you okay? And I'd be like I'm just thinking about that movie. I'm thinking about that scene yeah. last night. <laughs>
0: Yep, just one of – and like it's not even that – it's not like, oh, this one scene like did this to me, so it is number five on my top ten. The movie as a whole um, is incredible. Like the way that it deals with like grief and family dynamics is just so incredible. Like that dinner scene between uh, Alex Wolf, Tony Collette, and um, uh, Gabrielle Gabriel, Gabriel Byrne Um <laughs> is so like it is, it is one of the best scenes I've seen like in a long time. Yes. Tony Collette. Like I'm so disappointed that she was not nominated for a golden globe. I'm Mm -hmm. not surprised, but I'm very disappointed. Like if she doesn't get like an Oscar nomination for it, I will be so mad. Yeah. Um, but the movie just gets under your skin so much. And, in, in such a good way like Mike we've we've talked a lot about how like I have kind of drifted away from horror movies and, and the horror genre and everything mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you and I have had conversations and, and we've all had conversations in the pod chat about this that it's like like you you talk a lot about how like oh kids like your students will will kind of put up a front like oh this wasn't scary like in our top 10 of last year we were talking about it and you were saying that how it's uh, it bothered you that you know the mark of a horror movie is whether or not it scares you and like makes you like scared Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and like the thing that That hereditary made me kind of come to terms with and even recontextualize how I view horror movies in general is that it's not that I'm seeking out like a jump scare or a gross out scare or anything like I am specifically seeking out the unsettled fear like the idea that like something can happen that can just obliterate your world Mm -hmm. That is like the deepest fear that I can that I can experience. And it's a yeah, and it's a very difficult thing to achieve that in a film and have it be as emotionally resonant as Hereditary was and like it worked for me so much like it is just incredibly, incredibly intense. It took me. 5 or 6 months to bring myself to actually watch it again. <laughs> and like when I'm getting to a certain point of the movie, I'm like fidgeting on my couch and like I'm just bracing myself for yeah. the feeling. And it's just it's such god I loved it so much. Um also kind of a running theme through a lot of the movies that are really acclaimed in 2018, but first-time director. Uh, yep. Ari, Ari Aster. Yep. Wow. Ingr- incredible. Can't I didn't wait. know that. Yeah. Yep. Can't wait to see what, what he does next. Me too. Um, yep. So that's my number five. That is Hereditary. Love it. So, yep. So, Michael, what about your number four? Top four. Speaking
2: of Michael, my yes. number four is Halloween. David Gordon nice. Green's Halloween. <laughs> and, um... So... We are in league with the nerds you're looking for. Uh, they're, one of their main hosts is Pat Kuhn. And he's been, actually been a friend of mine since seventh grade. I've known him most of my life now. And, uh, he and I kind of had a conversation about our top tens. And I was talking about putting Halloween a little lower because I was kind of like, you know, it's, it's probably not as powerful a movie as Black Klansman, which is my, an honorable mention. It's number 11. And he goes, "Yeah, but when I started thinking about my top 10s, I started thinking about what movies am I going to watch again or uh mm-hmm. frequently again?" And he looked at me and he said, "You will watch Halloween again every Halloween for the next couple of years." And I'm like, "Shit. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> if that's not if that's not a top 10 movie, then I don't know what is." So, mm-hmm. you know, I bumped it up. I I thought about it a little more. <clears throat> I thought about what that movie meant to me, uh, and it landed at, at number four. Um, I think the new Halloween is great. Uh, I've gone at length, uh, I did a pretty passionate review of it, uh, on the Obsessive Viewer, um, not on Obsessive Viewer, but on Letterboxd. Um, and I know that there are some complaints about kind of the third act twist. If we ever did a spoil-free or a spoiler-heavy episode, I would love to go into detail with that, uh, because mm-hmm. I don't find that third-act twist to be a flaw. Uh, I think it's a real feather in the movie's cap. Um, mm-hmm. I'll just say... One of the things that always kind of irked me about every Halloween sequel is the kind of mysticism surrounding what's going on. Like, there's something magical about Halloween, or there's something magical about Michael. Uh, I think this movie continues the first one in that it undoes that magic, and it's just scary. It's just a guy in a mask, and it's Halloween, it happens to be these people he decides to kill. Anyway, like I said, I'd love to talk about it more. Um, mm-hmm. I just, the, that long tra- tracking shot, I thought was perfect. I thought the music was excellent. The performances were great. Laurie Strode is fantastic. Uh, and I thought Michael was, was scary again. I just loved it so much. Uh, I got to see it twice in theaters, and, and I was uh, just thrilled both times.
0: Very nice. Nice.
1: I agree with the whole quote unquote twist thing. Thanks, That's one man. of my favorite parts. One of my favorite parts of the movie, actually. Yeah, yeah, me
0: too. I need to watch it again. And um I I don't know okay, so I a week or so ago I started to rewatch it. Um and then honestly, like after like ten or fifteen minutes, and granted, I think it was kind of late and I was like it was like one of those things where it's like, okay, I have this amount of time until I want to go to bed and I have this amount of time before I'm probably actually gonna go to bed. <laughs> so, like, I can watch Halloween and it'll fall, like, in between those two times. But, like, I don't think I was in the right frame of mind to rewatch it. Um, because I was just, like, kind of, i don't know i just wasn't as engaged with it as i as i as i was in the theater and that kind of scared me a little bit because i did enjoy it quite a bit um i did have some issues here and there but um but yeah uh I'll, I'll need to revisit it and we will have to do like something like uh we'll have to bank an episode or something and we'll, sure well it comes
2: out on blu-ray uh on friday maybe we do uh maybe we do a bonus episode
0: i like that cool totally yeah <laughs> Um, so tiny, how about your number four?
1: Yes, my number four is the tale previously mentioned nice. by Matt. Um I can't expand on much you said because you you said it so well, but I
0: might not I
1: monopolized it. <laughs> no, no, you're yeah. good. like I the only thing I'll re-emphasize is that this is one of the bravest mm-hmm. things I think a person could do. like it's one of the bravest projects i've ever heard of a person doing um to have probably what is one of the worst things that can happen to you you Mm -hmm. choose to revisit it and and i say probably one of the worst things because i've never experienced it so i'm not saying i'm not trying to downgrade (laughs) what happened to her i'm just i don't know i'm trying to be respectful but Mm -hmm. uh to take one of the worst things that can happen to you and not only turn it into a story but make it from your own personal perspective and include yourself in the story. You write it yourself. You direct it yourself. You leave your own name in it. That is just... Man, that is just unbelievably brave, even in the, you know, the quote-unquote Me Too era right now right. Uh, with with all that in the, in the sphere. Um, just unbelievably brave, and, like, I don't know how she had the courage to make it. I, I'm just blown away by it. Um, I also again, I'm kind of reiterating what you said, but the whole, the, the way the memory was addressed, Mm -hmm. um, the way that she kind of had, it's funny. Like she had these conversations with the characters from the past. Yes. That was just incredible. And, and, and I think the most, the most shocking one or the hardest one Mm -hmm. was when she spoke to her 13 year old self. Yes. And cause every person has a lifelong struggle of trying to understand themselves. Mm-hmm. And sometimes things happen to you that are so horrible that you can't understand yourself. And this was her attempt to overcome that or to make that mm-hmm. connection with herself and to understand what she went through and who she is as a person, because I don't think she really knew who she was necessarily. Mm-hmm. And that that moment, that scene in the film, just really man really tackled that head on and that's that's just so hard again that's so hard for a person to do and you know uh jennifer fox chose to put it in a film that's Mm -hmm. that's just absolutely blows me away um and just to talk about the performances really quick elizabeth debicki had one of the best years uh in, sure in acting because I, I she was my favorite thing about the movie Widows, which is a movie i didn't care for a lot, mm-hmm. but she was fantastic um and she was man like villainous mm-hmm. and horrid in this film in such a such a subtle way mm-hmm. that I really appreciated mm-hmm. um and Laura Dern's one of my favorite actresses and my yeah she was she was great yeah. in this as well
0: and Jason Ritter was just just as like, he was gross yes
1: just gross as hell
0: it's just it, it reminded me a little bit of that that movie we saw at indie film fest a few years ago uh uh wild Wildlike. yeah um just the way that this movie depicts just a predator is just it's it's just it's gross and and mm-hmm. unsettling and uh i i i'm so i was so hung up on the memory aspect of the movie that i kind of forgot about the kind of documentary style that it was employed just, that just really brings home just the catharsis of the movie for yes. for her that i assume she achieved in making it and just right. the courage that it took to make it but
1: to share your catharsis with the silver screen yeah man again that's just unbelievably it's one of the
0: yeah it's one of the reasons why i love this movie so much is because it is indicative of just the power of the the medium of film it's just it's it's really um it really stands out a lot um yeah so uh my number four is um, there's no way to transition from that to this, but, uh, Avengers Infinity War, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I loved everything about this movie. Um, I was talking about it on The Nerds You're Looking For that, um, I didn't have the context of the comics. I don't have the context of, like, growing up reading these comics or whatever. What I do have is the 10 years of build up toward this spread over 19 to 20 different movies, all dealing with different characters and different team-ups and everything. Like Like, this was the event of 2018 in terms of film. And I am still just so astounded that they pulled it off. Like, just the fact that this exists is mind blowing to me because it is such an achievement. Like everything should have been working against this movie. Like it should have felt cluttered. I didn't feel like it was cluttered at all. Uh, The MCU over the course of a decade has had a long running problem with villains. Thanos, this is Thanos's movie and Mm -hmm. he has such a great arc. (laughs) Like you have like he is, he is an insane character, but his motivations for wanting to wipe out half the universe follow this just really well-developed internal logic that goes, like, is completely insane and off the wall, but it follows so well with who that character is, and it's just, it's remarkable, and it has some of the most impressive, like, comic book action scenes that I've seen (laughs) Um, the fight on Titan is amazing. Like, I think that that's one of the most fun, like team up, like superhero sequences um, I've ever seen. And it's just, it's so great. And like the, uh, the emotional arcs and how they're, how they're resolved. Like, yes, the big, the big thing at the end of infinity war is 90%. I'm 99% sure that it's going to be mostly, Reconciled in a, in a, in a way that's going to make it less impactful upon rewatches. But in the moment, it was still pretty, pretty great. Um, and I just, I, and. To single out one one actor i love tom holland as spider-man i think in peter pan (laughs) peter pan peter parker (laughs) um he's phenomenal in this movie and uh really the whole ensemble is is great and i just i i'm still blown away that we got this movie that they pulled it off and that by all accounts they're probably going to do it again here in a few months and i can't wait so yep so that's my number four uh, Mikey, we are on our top three. Top three of the
2: year. Uh, and this yes. is kind of one of those instances where I almost thought about at one point saying they're all tied for number one. Mm-hmm. Right? I'm, I'm, I'm so, I'm kind of over like the ranked list, uh, thing. Cause it's just so hard. I, or maybe there were just so many that I loved this year that I had a harder time than usual. Um, mm-hmm. but these top three, my gosh, they're all, they're all movies I'll watch again and they're all mm. movies that deeply deeply moved me for three kind of very different reasons funny enough. Sure. Uh number 3 is uh Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, which we nice. which we spoke about at length mm. uh on the last episode uh, that I was on. Uh mm. so I I'll I'll try to keep it brief here um but I just thought that that movie I just thought that that movie was so powerful. Uh, like I've said, I think it's the best Spider-Man movie. Uh, I think it's a Spider-Man movie for everybody. It's a Spider-Man movie for a new generation, even though it still includes Spider-Man for my generation. I think the animation is brilliant. Uh, the one thing I will say is all the excitement about it getting Best Animated Feature, I'm a little surprised mm-hmm. by that excitement. It's not like there was some heavy, heavy competition um, yeah. I think it would be more exciting if it was nominated for Best Picture. Um, yes. So that's kind of what I'm hoping out for, because I, I think it's that good. Um, and, and I feel like if there was any movie where they were going to make a statement, uh, like, mm-hmm. any, any movie is a viable option for Best Picture... I think, uh, I think Spider-Verse should be it. Cause I think it will also win the best animated Oscar. And that's cool to get that recognition, but nobody really remembers best animated pictures. I want people to remember Spider-Verse for the, for the moment, uh, that it was. I loved it. Number three. I can't wait to see that. Nice. <laughs> I haven't seen it yet. It's awesome.
0: And, uh, yeah. I, w- I want to just quickly, Uh, bring up that our, one, one of our listeners, uh, Robert in Utah, uh, one of our Patreon subscribers, he checked into the movie, um, on Letterboxd. And maybe I'm reaching, but I feel like it's, it's, uh, I don't know. Maybe it's, maybe it's my vanity, but, um, his, uh, his check-in on Letterboxd's review is after rewatching this without my three-year-old and hearing a two-hour podcast dissecting it, uh, this is my favorite (laughs) movie of the year. Dancing right now. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) uh
2: yeah and he had, robert and he had i assume a really... you're talking about our podcast and if you are thank you i i agree yes. with you it's awesome
0: <laughs> it's an awesome movie and i certainly hope he's talking about us yeah <laughs> yeah right uh but yeah uh so i just wanted to shout him out follow him on letterboxd that bob is going ham um cool. so yeah uh yeah so tiny
1: uh, my number three is Hereditary, Nice. Um, which, uh, fun note here, uh, this includes the third horror film that I've mentioned, including my honorable mentions. Uh, mm-hmm. That's the first time I've ever had three movies in contention for my top ten that are in the horror genre. Nice, um, nice. It's not one of my favorite genres. I still like it, and there's, like, Halloween's one of my favorite movies. Uh, so I, I like horror, but I don't see a lot of horror movies, and three of them we're in contention for my top 10 this year. So that was a big year for horror for me. Um, uh, Matt already talked about it a lot. I, I agree with everything he said. Um, I think it was, uh, I, this isn't me bragging, but I don't get scared a lot at horror films. And this movie was scary, especially the, the climax uh, was just creepy as shit. They picked a really good house to film it in. Um, and they, uh, I don't know the, the use of lighting was really impressive, I think in that, in that climax and just made it even more eerie for me. Um, and I just, it just, it was scary and I was creeped out and I was doing the thing where you're sitting there and you're looking over your shoulder cause you're not sure what's behind you like that. <laughs> it, it was that effective on me. Um, and that doesn't happen a lot to me. So I was. That was the sign of a really good film, uh, for me. Um, I also, Matt touched on the, the whole family aspect of it. I think it's, it was, amidst all the horror, was some really well done drama. Um, specifically, I was going to mention the, the dinner scene that you talked about. Um, just all those pent up emotions and frustrations and just anger boiling over in that scene mm-hmm. was, incredible um i think uh alex wolf actually talked about how like he has some emotional scars from filming this movie hmm. and like i i can understand how he would because that's that's got to be hard to film without feeling some of those emotions and yeah. uh um, that was really impressive uh also i think millie shapiro an incredible incredible performance amongst Two huge hugely successful and quality actors and Tony Collette and Gabriel Byrne you know she she managed to stand out amongst those two incredible actors um, Tony Collette's probably one of my favorite actresses as well mm-hmm. um, but she was uh, Millie Shapiro was was creepy and uh, she she hit her performance out of the park um, and the, the movie just in general had such a great tone to it it didn't um, it it kind of used a I wouldn't say a st- standard or like a derivative story but we've kind of seen the whole possession thing before it was all about the way they did it you know they, they they made it their own and didn't recycle a lot of like scares from past horror films they really made it their own and i think that was incredibly refreshing to see in a in a movie like this um it's it's probably one of my favorite horror films Ever. I mean, it's right up there. I think I even like it Absolutely. Absolutely. a little bit more than I might actually like it a little bit more than it from oh, uh, nice. last year. So okay. that's how great it was. Um, I just really loved it. And I, I didn't even realize that Ari Aster was a first time director. That's incredible. Um, yeah. Again, can't wait to see what he does. Like Matt said. Yeah. So yeah, hereditary was fantastic.
0: Um, Real quick. that It's, I was going to say not to brag, but it's totally to brag. Totally interviewed Alex Wolf a few years ago. I nice. Think, so just saying. Nice. Awesome. Um, yeah, it was really cool because uh, like it was at a red carpet thing for Heartland, and like he actually like on the mic he actually said he said like oh what are you with oh obsessive viewer that's cool so I was like oh hey <laughs> you said the name of the show, but anyway yeah sorry oh oh it's my turn isn't it <laughs> yes uh, we're at my number three yes and my number three is Roma which is um. Alfonso Cuaron's uh, uh, new movie that just came out on Netflix um, and released uh, in theaters and everything. But this movie is, again, it's another movie that's a testament to filmmaking and what can be achieved in camera and on film. Um, There are many moments in this movie that I don't understand how it's achieved how it's timed how it's like a signature of alfonso cuaron's uh filmmaking style throughout his entire career is long takes just long uninterrupted takes that are more and more elaborate every time like i just recently rewatched children of men and goddamn that's a five star movie for me <laughs> um just incredible but he does he, d- he does his camera work in this movie, which he is, this is the first time that he is his own, uh, uh, DP on a movie. Um, because I think there was like a scheduling conflict with Emmanuel Lubits- Lubitsky, who he, Lubitsky, who he works with, uh, regularly. But anyway, um, the movie is gorgeous, like absolutely stunning. It's about, um, a family in, uh, Mexico in the, in the early 1970s and their maid and the year of, a uh, year of her life working with this family and for this family. And she goes through horrific things that is depicted in Alfonso Cuaron's style that he is, he's just letting the camera go and he's let, he's, things are happening in camera for extended takes and it's just like, It's so gripping. And like I said in our review that the first 20 minutes, the first half hour to 45 minutes of this movie isn't necessarily captivating, but visually it's stunning. Like there are moments early in the movie where I'm like, I was watching it and I was thinking, this is like gonna be considered a classic. Um, this has the potential to be like a movie that in 50 years, like, douchebag uh teenage kids are going to watch um uh watch to be pretentious and everything like you know like I did with Seven Samurai. Um like this is the type of movie that that's gonna be. But it just resonated with me because it is the story about this woman in in just her daily life and how certain things happen to her and how she deals with that and and uh, the family unit as well. And I mentioned this, uh, I mentioned that the movie in our review, I mentioned that it, uh, kind of makes references to, or homages to, um, Quran's uh, other work. And the most like, uh, deliberate one or the most in your face one is, uh, the maid Cleo takes the children to see a movie and the movie is a space movie where there are two astronauts in space, in spacesuits, with one that has like a jet pack and everything. And at, the, like when we reviewed it, I had watched it one time and I was like, oh, that's kind of, that's kind of funny. It's kind of in your face. That's kind of weird. But I mean, it's kind of a funny little like homage to gravity. But when rewatching it, I realized that the whole hook of the movie is that this is a movie that Alfonso Cuaron feels very personal about because it is, It is his memories of his childhood and the maid that he, uh, that his family had when he was growing up. And when I was watching it again, I, uh, realized that this is an actual movie. Like the, the movie is marooned from 1969. So what he did was he showed us the, like, inspiration for him to make gravity decades later. And I just thought that that was really just kind of weird in a meta sense and just really cool. But, Um uh, but yeah just the 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 visuals of this movie are breathtaking like when i was rewatching it i was thinking i could just turn the subtitles off and just watch this again and like not understand what exactly they're saying. But since I've seen it a couple times, like I know like the beats and everything, but like I want to watch it without the distraction of seeing the subtitles because I want to see everything that's in the frame. And Alfonso Cuaron is just a (laughs) genius at filling the frame and doing these elaborate takes that are still, I just don't understand how it's, how, how he achieved it. And it's so elaborate and great. But anyway, that's my number three. That's Roma. It's freaking gorgeous. And, uh, I really, really hope that it, it's another movie that was playing at on the north side and it wasn't at an AMC. So I didn't go see it because I'm cheap, but I really hope that when the Oscar nominations come out, that they re-release it in AMC theater so I can see it without, you know, Uh, having to go super far out of my way and pay out of pocket. So that's Roma. That's my number three. And uh, yeah, we're down to the top two, Mike.
2: My number two is Eighth Grade, directed by Bo Burnham, which we have talked about on here. And one of the things I love so much about this movie uh, is how aside from all, everything that's already been said about it, is it really felt like a project that Bo Burnham was super, super passionate about. Uh, and so I've listened to him on a lot of podcasts. Uh, I've heard him kind of sit down in a couple of essays. And uh, I just, like, I wanted to know everything there is to know about him and the process of making this film. And he's really kind of a student of the modern internet, uh, and how it has changed us socially, uh, and Tiny, you kind of talked about, uh, the, the main character's kind of positivity throughout, and he, I think Bo Burnham is trying to investigate that, uh, and I love, I love how he does it in this kind of, um, quirky little, not seriously dramatic film, um, but it's, it's just a, such a cool glimpse at like something he's interested in, his mind, and really what the internet is kind of doing to, um, our brains and, and society, I guess you could say. Um, that said, I also think it, it, it perfectly encapsulates social anxiety uh you know what it's like to be young and awkward uh the scene where she goes to the pool party is uh, i mean it's hard to watch uh yes for Mm -hmm. for most of it um but then kind of like you said earlier tiny where the dad comes in and kind of makes his piece with her um is it's just so it's so feel good in all the right ways. Um, and it's a movie I, I imagine I'll watch a lot. It's, it's another movie also that, um, like I think I'll try to find ways to show it to my students in the future. Uh, cause it's incredibly relevant.
1: That's awesome.
0: Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. And, uh, Tiny, you're number two. Uh,
1: my number two is Avengers Infinity War. Um, nice. So yeah, you guys have already talked about it. And uh, we talked about it on a past episode. Um, so I won't go into too much detail. But it's um, uh, that's, that's the strongest strongest emotional reaction I've ever had to a comic book movie, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I wasn't quite expecting that. I think a lot of people have sort of dismissed the ending uh, in a way. And, and I totally get that. I, a lot of people were like, well, it wasn't quite as impactful because we know that we're getting more after this and so we know what's going to happen and for whatever reason i was i knew that those things were happening too i knew that we were going to get more movies with some of these characters but i was so involved in the movie that it still that that had no effect on my reaction to it mm-hmm. like i that that knowledge in the that's real awesome. world that's awesome i'm yeah. i'm
2: kind of jealous of you for that now i, I was able to watch <laughs> that and experience it the way they wanted us to experience like i knew what they were going for and the movie um did such a good job leading up to it that it had earned that emotional payoff despite the meta knowledge that i had i guess my reaction and negativity toward that ending is not with the film or the filmmakers but but the people in the audience who were like devastated by, it. and like coming to me the next day. Again, I've said this a hundred times on the podcast, but like teenagers, I t- I'm a teacher. Mm-hmm. So they talk to me the next day. They're like, yeah, I cried at the end. And I'm like, did you really cry? Like, I-, I mean, I get how the movie is making designs on us. It wants us to feel a certain way, but, but you know, there's another movie coming. You know, you know they're making a Spider-Man sequel. You know this. I just, mm-hmm. it's, it's just like, um, I've kind of ranted about this before, but like nerd overreaction, like pseudo-nerd overreaction, uh, I found it to be very thick with this movie
0: tiny cried
1: i babbled (laughs) i babbled like a brook
2: wow okay
1: i I babbled like a brook like when i'm wrong
2: you just you just felt it more than i did
1: no you're not wrong uh it's just that like you said this whole thing is subjective um that's that's the nature of art and uh and yeah i i knew that i knew there's a spider-man sequel there's another black panther movie coming out there's a whole other movie whole other half to this story coming out right but i was so into that movie into Infinity War that that knowledge was so far in the back of my mind that it mm-hmm. did not influence my reaction to those scenes. That's um
2: I mean that's remarkable. Like I'm I'm yeah. like stoked for you. That <laughs> you
1: that you got to <laughs> Well that's what I mean that's why I think it's number two on my list. I think a lot of, a lot of people I think it made a lot of top ten lists, but I think people had it lower down or they had it on honorable mentions because of that ending. And yeah. and I don't disagree with that. Like I said, this is all and like we've all said, this is subjective and everyone reacts differently. So uh yeah, I, I I totally get that. Um but yeah, like uh Matt mentioned the uh the fight scene on Titan uh and some of the other fight scenes were just so I, I am amazed Every time at how the Russo brothers can weave comedy into action. I mean, it's literally a punch is thrown and somebody cracks a joke. I, it's, that's a hard mm-hmm. thing to do. Mm-hmm. At least a hard thing to do genuinely. It could be very tongue in cheek, but they do it genuinely. Um, dude, you're embarrassing me in front of the wizards. <laughs> yeah. One of my favorite lines of the whole series. Okay. Um, and also, uh, it's, it's amazing how throughout this and the entire Avengers, uh, films that we've had so far, there's there's so many people involved there's so many speaking roles it's incredible how relevant everyone still is and how i mean this is we're talking about we got the guardians of the galaxy in here now there's so many there's even more characters being introduced in this movie and everyone is relevant everyone has lines everyone cracks a joke everyone is so it's such a such satisfying character development amongst forty nine hundred characters. It's just crazy how they squeezed everyone in in such a satisfying way that is beyond skillful and uh I was just blown away by all that. I can't wait again, like Matt said, in a few months when they do it all again. It's yeah. gonna be it's gonna be nuts. I'm gonna have to bring mm. tissues,
0: yeah, it's gonna be epic, yeah um. Okay, that brings me to my number two, and I'll, I'll be brief because we've talked about this movie already, but, uh, it's Won't You Be My Neighbor. Um, and to kind of, uh, piggyback off of what you guys have said about this movie, as a kid, I never watched Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. I was not a Mr. Rogers fan, or I was, I wasn't, just, it wasn't something my, I, I watched as a kid. And as I kind of grew up, it became, uh, like, kind of this, uh, childlike uh, it's the it's like this cynicism like attached itself to me at a young age like it's it's it wasn't cool to like mr rogers so i never watched it and like it's just i just wasn't a mr rogers neighborhood fan or anything and this documentary like even though i had no like affiliation or association with him like i've i said this on the podcast earlier this year but i honestly believe that Fred Rogers is like the closest thing we've ever had to like a legit superhero because <laughs> the way he could take these complex ideas, complex, uh, like, uh, complex information and dispel it to children in a way that is, that is their language and that they can understand it. And he had just this aura of positivity and just, just goodness to him that like the documentary just, it left me, it, First of all, it felt like I was just transported into this world of good, like that was shielding me from the shittiness of the world around me because (laughs) we are so divisive. Every, like the, like on the political spectrum and like culturally, everyone's at odds. We, like everyone is angry all the time. And so having a two hour reprieve from that world. In the realm of this documentary, like, I felt this profound sense that when it was over, it was like, I have to go back to that. Like, I have to go back to everything. Uh, but for those, like, two hours or less than two hours, it's, it was perfect. Like, I just was enveloped in this, in this, this goodness that I I loved. Um, and it also left me wondering, like, what kind of person would I be? I had seen Mr. Rogers neighborhood growing up. Like I really wonder like what kind of effect that program would have had on me, what kind of lasting effect. And it's kind of a shame that I missed out on it, but I can recognize just how beautiful his work was throughout his entire career. And it's just something that is incredible um, and depicted beautifully in this documentary. Um, so that's my number two. That's once you be my neighbor. And, uh, so, Mike, we're at our number one movie of the year. Uh, hit us with it. We're here.
2: So, this is one of... I've been keeping track, um, and we actually have four movies that are on all three of our lists. Mm. Uh, there is one that Matt has not talked about yet, so I won't spoil what all four of them are. I'll let Matt do that in a minute. Um, but my number one is a movie that you guys have already talked about, and it's Hereditary. And... You know, this movie, or at least the reaction to this movie, has been a little bit surprising to me. When the uh, advertisements and the push for it first came out, they talked about this movie as, like, the scariest movie since The Exorcist, the scariest movie of all time. This movie will blow you away. You will lose sleep over this movie. Um, and I'm finding the further we get from that movie... Um, People don't think about that. They're kind of forgetting this movie, and I think people are overlooking it. I think it is absolutely those things. I think it's fantastic. I think it's terrifying, uh, horrifying. I think it, I, I mean, like I said earlier, it wrecked me for a week after seeing this movie. Um, I think even if you take out, right, even if you like pretend to be some, calloused, um, like, horror movies don't affect you or something. I still think the drama of the movie is enough to put this on a top ten list. Um, mm-hmm. to see a family crumble because of this, either hereditary disease they have or because of this demonic interference, uh, is really a trip to watch. And I think they all react naturally. It's cool to see the father kind of shut down over time. You guys mentioned the scene where Tony Collette's character blows up at the dinner table. I think that mm-hmm. scene is masterful. Uh, and I also think Alex Wolf after that dramatic scene that kind of kicks off act two, Matt, that you were talking about mm-hmm. the way he, he does nothing like a teenager would is perfect Mm -hmm. and it's haunting and we're like living with him in that moment as we hear his mother's reaction to to what we're talking about it's Mm -hmm. sheer brilliance i mean like i said take out the scares and i think it's a dramatic um brilliant piece of masterwork and then you add in that it's terrifying. I think the final act is incredibly unsettling. There are a few, uh, images that I won't spoil that just with, with the sound design and then finally they show what you're hearing, um, haunted me again for a week. Mm-hmm. If you, if you don't find that scary, I, I, I have nothing for you. <laughs> right if if you don't Amen. if you don't like i'm i'm not saying it has to keep you up at night i've i'm sorry that i've made this rant before but I, it's just, i'm just so passionate about I, mm. i'm not saying it has to have kept you up at night or it doesn't have to have surprised you but if you can't look at that and recognize that that for most people is terrifying that what you're watching is as objectively terrifying as terrifying can be whether you slept that night or not, don't watch horror movies. stay away i don't I don't want you in my group <laughs> um nice. and I'm sorry if if that's exclusive. I just think um, you know, I love horror movies. I think I'm our resident horror expert, uh, and so I watch a lot of garbage that I work very hard to find the good in. Uh, Truth or Dare was a movie that came out this year that was not very well received, but I really had a fun time with that movie. I liked that horror. But when you can blend an Oscar-winning drama with horror, there, there is no bigger center of that Venn diagram, uh, for me than what that did. I, I think it did it well last year, which is why it was my number one last year. Um, and I don't know, Tiny, if I'm ready to say which one was better this year. Uh, but I do know in terms of movies that affected me and stuck with me the longest, and ones, uh, and a movie that I will argue for, uh, Hereditary is far and away my movie of the year.
1: Nice.
0: Very well said. Thanks. And, uh, I know that we don't have much time or anything, but just, <laughs> Just to say, like the um, the media's tendency to qualify horror movies that are like well, like well regarded in critic circles as not horror <laughs> mm-hmm. is so unbelievably frustrating to me. Uh, so yeah, so yeah. well, that's hereditary, a good
2: conversation for another time for sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: Just saying, hereditary is a fucking horror movie. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh so great that's awesome. Thanks. Uh tiny. Yes. How about your number 1 movie of the year? My number 1
1: movie of the year is Blind Spotting, yes. uh which Matt mentioned earlier. Um I I don't I'm not a fan of throwing things into or um including things on top 10 lists just because they're culturally relevant or because it has a certain poignancy uh for the time it was released. Um and I can I can say that I think this is, from my perspective, probably one of the most culturally relevant films of the year. Um, but that's not necessarily why I picked it uh, for my number one movie of the year. I do think uh, one of the most troubling issues in our country, and I'm not trying to get political here, but uh, one of the most troubling issues is how black people are still treated in our country. I mean, it's, it's, it's still a problem. If you don't agree that it is, you are incorrect. Uh, it's not a matter of opinion. Like Mike was saying earlier, some things are just facts. Some things are just true. And that is a truth that our country needs to deal with and we're not dealing with it properly. And I love the way that it's depicted in this film. Um, I have not seen a better example of how scary it is for a black guy to walk down the street at night in Oakland while the police car walks by than I have in this movie. I've, I've never, I've never seen that done better in a film. And I was literally scared on the edge of my seat for the character in this film during that time, during that moment. And, uh, I think it, it talks about, you know, it, it's so interesting how, how, uh, race has kind of flip flopped. Um, there's, there's a really good line about how, uh, the white guy is actually like the scary black guy in this movie. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Like, uh, cause, uh, uh, gosh, darn it. Um, his name, the actor's name,
0: Raphael, Casell. uh,
1: the other guy, uh, Daveed Diggs, Daveed Diggs. Thank you. Um, he's kind of the quote unquote scary looking black guy with his, <laughs> his dreads. And, uh, you know, he's an ex convict, all that stuff. He's out on probation um but the other the white guy is actually the the scary dude the guy that people need to worry about is the other guy it's just kind of a, an interesting commentary um and the music is woven really well or the the rap uh the raps and the rhyming and everything is woven very organically into the film it's not it doesn't seem over the top or uh, uh frustrating or annoying or out of place it's really It's really relevant and, and, uh, crucial to the film. And I think that's, that's another thing that's hard to achieve because hip hop is so, rap and hip hop are, I I have such a weird relationship with it because sometimes when it's, I feel like a lot of the time it's not that great, but when it's good, it's amazing. And I think, uh, these guys who are in this film and, and their rap group, uh, their rap group is clipping. Um, I've listened to some of their music since I, I watched the movie. Mm-hmm. These guys are next level with their music, and it's like I tried to just listen to it while I was in the shower, like kind of one of those things. And I had to turn it off because I was like, I have to listen to this. I can't just have it playing in the background. Like it's that it's mm-hmm. that kind of music. I need to sit with it. Um, and and I think that speaks to the the quality of of the film and the music and and the talent for the of these guys, frankly. Um, and the comedy was really. Really, uh, really kind of shocking. It just kind of jabbed you. Like, it kind of came out of nowhere a lot of the time in, in this movie, but I really appreciated it. Um, these guys were funny. It's just, it's such a, it's just such an important movie for right now. And, and I, I hate saying that because it's so, it's almost cheap or something. I don't, I don't know. I, I, I don't want to just pick a film because it's culturally, culturally relevant, but, uh, this movie's definitely that, but it's 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 also so much more. I was just really impressed with with how they were able to depict what it's like to be a black person in 2018 so well mm-hmm. um, and and that's something that's difficult for me to relate to, obviously, being like right. Matt said being a thirty two year old white guy um, they they just made that so accessible in this movie. It's mm-hmm. really impressive,
0: absolutely, great. Uh, so, I'll round us out with my number one movie of 2018. Um, it is, I made, I made this joke on the nerds you're looking for, but I'm not gonna make it here. Uh, Holmes and Watson. But, um, it's, <laughs> Hilarious. anyway, my number one movie of 2018 is 8th grade. And much like how Blockers was in, uh, was a choice for me because of, the way that it it deals with like it, the way that it uh, spoke to my nostalgia as well as who I am as a person now. Eighth grade was kind of uh, I don't want to I don't necessarily want to say revelatory, but but it was a movie that had just such a deep and profound impact on me because. Like going into it, I was thinking, okay, Bo Burnham made a, made a movie about an eighth grade girl. Okay, let's see, let's see it and kind of cringe at it and everything. But what I found watching the movie is that regardless of gender, these, the social anxieties and the, the nervous ticks and the, the just all around insecurities of being a middle school kid are universal and I was Kayla Day. (laughs) Like, we were all Kayla Day. But this movie just had such a deep, uh, resonance, uh, to me because I've, like, I was, like, Tiny can attest to this. He knew me in junior high. I was incredibly, uh, awkward and just very, I I don't want to say more because I don't want to hurt my own feelings, but <laughs> <laughs> not like it was just, it was a very painful time as it is for everyone else. And like to watch, to see a movie that depicts that so perfectly and in such a, such a, such a great kind of visceral way is astounding. And add to that, the fact that Elsie Fisher gives an incredible performance. It's just, it's, it really spoke to me on a very deep level and there are moments I've rewatched this a few times now and it's like, it hits me every time. Like the scene that we talked about with uh, Josh Hamilton's character as her father talking to her. It's like, it is so beautiful. And like the payoff of that is just so like i it brought me nearly to tears like every time that i watched it because it is so powerful because you know that's exactly what she needs and what makes it even better is that he tries to connect with her so much throughout the movie um and she just doesn't hear him and like she has to grow as a person before she can you know accept his his uh, dorkiness for what it is yeah um, and just like their connection and everything. Like it's so, it's so beautifully told. And the, the things that she goes through in the movie, like it runs the gamut of like these, the socially awkward at a party, um, thing that she wasn't, she was kind of forced into being in earth. The people throwing the party were forced to invite her. So she feels so insecure and everything. And she's, she's crushing on, on another student. And she's, uh, I'll say this the, to kind of jump ahead a little bit, the scene, like there's one scene that is so heartbreaking and so relevant to uh, us today. And, and I say that, but it's, I mean, it's, it's a just as relevant any time really, but there is a scene where it's just heartbreaking and you see the ramifications of that in a very real way. And it's just, it's just so beautifully constructed. And I, I have the utmost respect for Bill Burnham. Like, I've been saying since I saw this movie that I, I want to see what he does next in terms of filmmaking, but also more importantly, I hope that he has something more to say. Like, I hope that he has stories to tell because it's not like that's what kind of separates eighth grade from really all of the directorial debuts on our top 10 lists that it doesn't feel like, Oh, this is, this is a breakout piece of filmmaking from a young filmmaker. It feels like this is a story that this filmmaker, that, that, that this man had to tell. And he chose to do that through film. Yeah. And so Good I point. don't see it as, yeah, I don't see it as, Oh, Bo Burnham is the next hot filmmaker. I see it as, I hope that <laughs> Bo Burnham has more stories to tell in this medium. Um, and it also helps that he's a freaking genius at everything else that he does. So I just hope that I, I hope we see more. I hope he has more stories. And I was just so emotionally affected by eighth grade and I, I adored it so much. And that's why it's my number one movie of 2018. Awesome. Love it. Yes. Yep. Um, so we have other things, but, uh, Mike, I know that you're, R- we're running over your time.
2: Yeah, I'd really love to wrap it up. Sorry
0: guys. Yeah. Oh, no, you're fine. I do want to briefly mention announce the big list challenge thing. Okay. So, uh this year in 2019, we are doing something different or something new. Um we have chosen a list to tackle. Um, so it's called the OV list challenge. If you go to uh, any of our letterboxes, you'll find it um, in our lists, but, and I'll put a link in the show notes. Basically we have chosen a list and this year's list is Roger Ebert's great movies. Through the course of his career, he named like there are 365 movies on this list that he considers great movies. So what we are doing is we are going to try to watch, um, we're going to see how many of those we can watch in a year. And it's going to be kind of tricky because obviously we all watch the different amount of movies and everything. But kind of the idea <coughs> is that we're going to try it. And then at the end of the year, we're going to have an episode dedicated to the great movies, uh Roger Ebert's great movies. Whoever watches the most movies from that list will pick what list we do for next year. Um So, yeah. So we definitely encourage everyone to... Go to Letterbox, clone that list, watch the movies with us, and uh, and we'll yeah we'll talk more about that in December. <laughs> um, and for context, uh, of the three hundred and sixty-five movies I've seen, sixty-seven. Tiny has seen fifty, and Mike has seen twenty-eight, according to oh, Letterbox. Okay. So so yeah. So we are going to go with basically how many we watch this year. So it's not going to be like I'm going to watch 10 so I've watched 60. It's going to be right this year. Gotcha. Cool. So yeah. Um so yeah, and uh yeah, I think I think w- I have some other stuff I want to say, but we can we can let Mike go cuz it's all just filler stuff for the end of the episode. Um Mike uh to to call back your earlier uh earlier stuff i love you buddy and love you too. uh yeah <laughs> and uh i'm really really tiny i love you too
1: love you too buddy
0: i'm uh and tiny i i like you a lot yeah you're uh, right <laughs> i love <laughs> and you guys, you, but... you there there you are
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh what is that
2: oh i don't i guess uh, austin powers i don't know
0: Oh, gotcha. Um, So, yeah. So, anyway, I'm super excited at the prospect of having you on the podcast more often this year.
2: Love it. Um, That's the
0: plan. Yes. Uh, Next week or later, here in a couple days, we're going to have a bonus review with me and Mike that's already been recorded and edited. Mm -hmm. We reviewed Escape Room, so watch that on the feed. And uh, we're going to, I guess, say bye to Mike, I guess. Yeah, Yeah. that's all for
2: me. Uh, Thank you guys for listening. Hopefully you liked my top ten. Um, Matt, I'm gonna leave it up to you to give us a hashtag at the end. Oh yeah. Uh, for who's still listening. But mm-hmm. uh thank you guys for listening to us rants. I am gonna go to bed. I gotta get up with the kids early in the morning. Uh, mm-hmm. but listeners, thank you. 2018 was an awesome year. I'm excited for more numbers in 2019. Uh, to be on this podcast a little bit more uh, and to talk to you guys. So peace.
0: Hell yeah! Bye, Mike. See Love you, you, Mike. See you later. <laughs> Bye. Okay, so we're good for another four hours. Um, oh, God. So anyway, um, uh, to kind of uh, wind down the episode, um I do have – I wish I would have said this with Mike on, but he'll listen to the episode hopefully. Um, so um in addition to our OV list challenge, I have set up for myself – um this is going to be a little insane – six – lists on letterbox (laughs) so um you can find that like if you go to my basically go to go to my letterbox go to my lists, uh find the tag for 2019 challenge it has all the lists that i have uh designated for this year so let me run these down real quick um i've mentioned the letterboxd official subreddit they have a film club they actually just decided to make it biweekly instead of weekly which is great for me cuz it gives me time to watch the movies um so i'm going to be doing that as much as i can throughout the year i'm going to hopefully stay with it um back in october mike gave me a list of 20 horror movies that he wanted me to watch in Shocktober. october um i watched 3 of them <laughs> so my uh horror movie homework assigned by at i am mike white is going to be a new another uh goal for this week for this year to actually get through the rest of the 20. And then there are a few other things. Um, so there's a 2019 weekly comedy challenge. Uh, it's just a letterbox challenge. It's, it's, I'm super excited about it because it's basically every week I watch a different, um, different comedy movie with certain parameters. Like the first week, which I still need to watch is, um, any comedy with charlie chaplin oh Um, wow yeah and then like i'm really excited because later in it is like choose a comedy with an actor a lead actor who you don't like so i picked like i don't remember which one but i picked a melissa mccarthy uh one okay um and so yeah it's just like cool like themes like that so super excited about that i also am doing the birth year challenge <laughs> Which uh, I was born in 1986, so I'm 32 years old. So I picked 32 movies from 1986 to watch. And if I don't watch it, like there's no set time frame, but if I don't watch it by my birthday, June 26th, give me something nice. Um, <laughs> uh, I'll have to add a movie to it uh, to make it 33. Um, and then my long running project that I'm hoping to finish this year is my top 100 favorite movies of all time. I'm still working diligently at that. Then finally, this was kind of a last minute thing that was kind of inspired by chris tansky um who he was on the podcast long, long long ago, but uh I think like he did something similar, but I kind of ran with it and made it my own um I'm calling it thirty from thirty, not to be confused with thirty four thirty um a sports thingy i think yeah he is um weird. yeah, so thirty from thirty is basically um it's twenty nineteen I've picked thirty movies from nineteen eighty nine and I'm gonna try to watch. As many of them as I as I can. These are all movies that I haven't seen or I have seen, but it's been long enough that it's not logged on Letterbox. And my Letterbox goes all the way back to 2007. So, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so those those are the things I'm going to work on throughout the year. I don't know if I will, but I'll put links to all these uh, lists in the show notes and everything. And uh, yeah, do you have any goals for 2019 as far as movie watching?
1: Yes, with AMC A list. Um, this is more financial than anything, but <laughs> uh, in order to have uh, justify the cost I need to see two movies a month mm-hmm. so my goal is 34 or I'm sorry 24 uh theater viewings mm-hmm. for the year
0: which we didn't say on the podcast you got a list
1: I got a list yes. yes I got, I didn't say that <laughs> yeah I got an A list so I'm uh, I'm looking forward to it you know I I already like
0: yeah.
1: went through the app just to see mm-hmm. what the process is like and like I'm really impressed with the app right. it's a very easy
0: to use oh it is so like yeah. when Fechus was on talking about it he's like it's idiot proof like, yeah yeah, and I am the perfect example of that. <laughs>
1: um so there's that and then yeah. like I said I like my total viewings to be at least 150. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to hit 150 next year. I haven't nice. I didn't even crack 100 last year. This year I barely did. Mm-hmm. So that'd be a nice comeback to be at like 150 for next year. So
0: nice. Um let's see. Uh so yeah, you have a list now. Um. So, uh, I I wore you down. Yeah, I you did you to get a list. So now my goal for 2019 is to convince Fecus to get on Letterbox. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, uh, that's awesome. And I'm I'm hoping that we can see more movies in the theater so that you can like you and Kirsten can still duke it out for my movie theater companion. Yeah, title. I'm still
1: still gunning for that
0: belt. Yes, yes. You made a belt, right? Um sure. Yeah, why not? <sighs> you better. Um yeah. <laughs> Uh so let's see what Okay, so I have some I'll do that later what i want to do now real quick is my worst movies of 2018 okay um i probably should have done that before but whatever uh so i have two lists there's disappointments of 2018 and worst movies of 2018 so i'll start with disappointments um first man i was not fond of the movie because it felt like it wasn't i i didn't i didn't really get into the biopic aspect of it it felt like it was more of a timeline and it like it deals with some some uh thematic elements and and it the way that it portrays neil armstrong is is authentic to who he was but it it doesn't in a way that focuses on one part of his uh, his life and it just didn't really resonate for me that much i guess Having said that though, the moon landing sequence and all the space, like, sequence and test flight sequences are just stunning. Like, they're really good. Cool. Uh, mid nineties by, uh, Jonah, uh, Hill, which is funny because this is another, like, directorial debut. Um, I talked about it on the podcast. I just, I really didn't like it. Um, it felt so directionless and, uh, aimless and it just felt like there was, something that was so lacking in it that I, I just, I couldn't connect to it. Um, next up in disappointments was solo, a star Wars story. Um, I just, I, again, couldn't connect to it. Didn't like it. Um, I just, I'm not a fan of star Wars. That's just how it is. Um, then finally disappointments, uh, fantastic beasts, the crimes of Grindelwald. Um, I would love to be invested in a long running series set in the wizarding world of Harry Potter, um, penned by the woman who created that universe. But what we've got in, uh, Fantastic Beast and where to find them and now Fantastic Beast, the crimes of Grindelwald, I just don't care. Like, <laughs> at all. Um, so yeah. But anyway, real quick, the worst movies of 2019, uh, or 2018, sorry. Um, Holmes and Watson, it's as unfunny as you have heard. <laughs> and it is as much of a like drain on comedy as you've heard um it's really not good. Welcome to Marwin. Uh Kirsten and I did a very full review that I was actually very proud of because uh we I got a unique it's a unique voice in Kirsten having her her opinion on that because it's from the perspective of a woman and this movie kind of really uh it's kind of a backhanded misogynistic movie. Um, it's kind of this creepy, like, this is a thriller, but made in a whimsical, like, like, it's like they don't know what their subject is because the subject, as it's depicted, is a creepy fucking story, <laughs> but they do it in this whimsical way that is, supposed to be endearing but i'm just thinking like get her out of the house get her away like put a restraining order on this guy he's and that's not fair because he's you know he's been emotionally damaged and everything but it's also like he's being enabled by everyone in his life and it's like someone should like sit down and be like hey this isn't cool like you know i like maybe cool it a little bit (laughs) um yeah so uh welcome marwin jurassic world fallen kingdom didn't care about it game over man the guys from workaholics i i don't care i don't remember anything about it really uh the grinch i wanted to take a nap during it (laughs) uh mortal engines just wasn't for me teen steampunk uh kind of really just lazy storytelling really but my kind of worst movie of 20, 2018 was uh, Life Itself. I just, I didn't like it. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. It's on Amazon Prime now. It's, um, just very disjointed. It's very hokey and sentimental and tries to get an emotional reaction out of, uh, out of the viewer, but in a manipulative way rather than an organic way. And I just, I couldn't buy into it. I just, I really didn't like Life Itself. Um, so yeah, um, what, what next? Okay. I'm kind of grasping here. Okay. Um, so we're going to wind down. We're almost done. I promise. Okay. <laughs> um, any other topics you want to bring? <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> so, um, I kind of want to set aside some time to just welcome any new listeners because, um, I don't know about anyone listening, but I seek out like year in review episodes from podcasts because I love hearing about, you know, people's passion about film and TV and, and like feeling how they are about uh, getting feelers out for, um, for how they felt about the year in total. So if you are a new listener to the podcast, if this is your first episode of the podcast, I just want to give you a rundown of what the obsessive viewer is. Um, as I said at the top, we are a movie and TV podcast. We have a kind of a rotating uh, roster of guest uh, or recurring co-hosts. So um, the main co-hosts are me, Tiny and, 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 and Mike. Uh, Mike doesn't get to be on the podcast as frequently as, as we would like him to be, but that's going to hopefully be rectified in 2019, but that's kind of the main roster. And then we have recurring co-hosts in Feckus and Kirsten. Feckus is a friend of ours. His name's Robert Feckus. He's, he's a great dude and he watches a lot of stuff. And then Kirsten is Kirsten Leister. She's appeared in several episodes of the podcast, over the last uh several months and has been a uh, they've both been great assets to the podcast. So I want to mention just quick highlights of episodes that you can seek out to listen to if you are a new listener to the podcast. So uh, real quickly if you want to hear me Mike and Tiny as you heard in this episode uh, talk about our favorite stuff and movies and everything and really this episode is just to catch up go listen to OV242 it's an extended potpourri episode potpourri is a section of the podcast where we talk about whatever we want um, it's a very fun episode very great Mike tells a really great story about uh, movie theater anxiety and uh, having to sit next to someone who is very talkative and and, uh, disruptive. Uh, if you want to hear just me and Tiny, uh, on the, on the podcast doing our back and forth thing, uh, OV 237 in which we reviewed Pan's Labyrinth for, uh, Patreon subscriber Robert. Uh, I really love that review. That was such a fun review and it was just, it was a blast. Um, for me and Mike, check out 247. Uh, it's a letterboxed potpourri where we just kind of go back and forth over pe- over each other's, uh, letterbox diary. Um and we kind of rapid fire like at like tell each other what we thought of each movie. Uh for me and Fecus, check out OV two sixty four, uh which is our review of Aquaman. It's a lot of fun. And I also talk about the American meme and fucking Kevin Spacey's Let Me Be Frank video. That's so bizarre. Finally, if you want to hear me and Kirsten, uh check out OV246. That's a movie theater potpourri where we talked about a lot of different movies we saw in the theaters. And uh, I'll put links to all of this in the show notes. We also have extensive film festival episodes uh and also movie review episodes. I'll put links to all that in the show notes. Oh, God. Okay, Tiny. <laughs> uh One last thing. Okay. And I promise that we're almost done. Okay. Podcast stats. Yeah. For 2018, Tiny. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, uh we have two other podcasts. Um we do. And anth- Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> um Anthology is my solo podcast where I'm reviewing the Twilight Zone and Black Mirror and uh contemporary science fiction anthology shows. Um and then Tower Junkies is a podcast where Tiny and I talk about our love of Stephen King and his magnum opus, the Dark Tower series. Both podcasts are currently on hiatus and eventually we'll pick them back up, but it's just we're both at a point in our lives where we probably would be better served doing obsessive viewer, focusing on obsessive viewer than trying to, uh, split, uh, sp- then trying to pretend like we're unbreakable and <laughs> just like split our attention over three podcasts. Cause it, we would just be like, we would shatter like glass. Um, oh God, I don't know where that came from. So we will eventually relaunch those at some point, but they are currently on a hiatus. I can't say for certain when uh they'll be relaunched, but we they are they're still in our thoughts. So Tiny, um, the podcast. So this is episode 266. Mm-hmm. And so previous to this we've had 265 episodes. That's how math works. <laughs> um So overall, the podcast that we've had for five and a half years, we have released 17 days, 5 hours, 25 25 minutes and 28 seconds worth of audio. Jeez. So if you're a new listener, you've got <laughs> at least 2 or almost 3 weeks of of 2019 <laughs> mapped out for you. Oh my god. Um so I want to run down some episodes or some stats for 2018. Uh, we released on Obsessive Viewer a total of 35 episodes. Hmm. That is an increase from last year. Last year, we only released 32 episodes. Oh, I didn't uh, know that. Yeah, so that accounts for – 35 episodes is two days' worth of audio. <laughs> um, four of those episodes were Patreon reviews, um, hmm. which accounted for seven hours. Uh, we did – so so a peek behind the curtain the the podcast is normally or it used to be a topic driven podcast where we would t- take a topic and uh, talk about it for an hour and then do potpourri. but we've been gravitating more away from that and toward movie review episodes, which I personally think is when we're at our best um so last year in 2018 first of all in 2017 we released 15 movie review episodes we reviewed 15 movies in 2017 in 2018 20- that's the next one uh is 26 we, uh. we did 26 movie review episodes hmm. um 10 extended potpourris uh a total of seven bonus or special episodes or live event episodes um heartland was four episodes which i was really proud of what we did uh, with Heartland, uh, we did four episodes. That's seven and a half hours worth of content. I was really proud because that's four episodes that have filmmaker interviews and each episode has a review of a movie that we saw at Heartland. And I was really proud of, of the work we did there. Nice. Um, yep. Yeah, so, uh, to round us out, we had, uh, Mike was on four episodes of the podcast. Hmm. Um, which I'm really, really excited that it's going to be more this year. Uh, fingers crossed. He was on a, for a total of nine hours and seven minutes in 2018. Uh, Fekas was on six episodes for 11 and a half hours. And Kirsten, surprisingly enough, uh, was on nine episodes of the podcast. Wow. For 18 hours and 17 minutes. Dang. That's going to go right to her head. <laughs> um, and it's funny because our longest episode of the year was excluding the year in review episode, which if you're listening to this now, you know that this is the longest one too. Um, our, uh, excluding our year in review episode, our, the longest episode of 2018 was OV259, a movie theater potpourri with me and Kirsten, where we talked for two hours and 38 minutes.
1: Good Lord.
0: Yeah. And funny enough, on the flip side of that, the shortest episode was OV240, which was her first episode on the podcast. And I feel like that was because i was having her on the podcast and i was like "She make this short just thinking yeah. like just just to see <laughs> uh because uh but yeah she uh, i mean she did great and she's a recurring co-host now but it's just like uh i think it was more anxiety like like i don't know it was like an imposition on her to have her on the podcast yeah uh okay so anyway uh to round us out for real um, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash obsessive viewer in which we do, uh, Patreon exclusive releases specifically for Patreon on a, on a, on a private RSS feed. Uh, pretty much every time we release an episode, this episode notwithstanding or this episode is, is excluded from that. Um, we release a short 15, 20 minute episode where we're just kind of bullshitting back and forth we have it's a little topic that we do kind of a warm-up thing. Uh so you can support us on Patreon with the minimum for the minimum amount of one dollar per month. Uh that'll get you access to the RSS feed. If you want to donate more, that's great. Um uh f- friend of the show, Ben Sears, he, he made a substantial donation. He's actually going to be a guest on the podcast here in a few weeks to talk about the Oscar nominations. Can't wait to have him on and, and meet him and everything. Totally. Um, he actually just joined Letterboxd and he hasn't posted anything like he's posted a couple of reviews and they're like really good reviews. Nice. Uh, so go follow him at Ben Sears. Um, okay. So, and then speaking of Patreon, and I promise this is the last thing. Uh, In 2018, we released 11 Patreon exclusive, um, episodes, uh, to the feed. So if you, if you supported us on Patreon over the course of 2018, you received six hours and 42 minutes of exclusive content specifically for you as a thank you to support, uh, for supporting us. And those 11 episodes break down to two episodes that were commentary tracks that I recorded myself, uh, totaling three hours and 53 minutes. And then the bread and butter of the, the Patreon RSS feed is the mini episodes that we release that I just mentioned. Uh, we release nine of those episodes for two hours and 48 minutes. And that is just going to increase a ton this year because we, we got kind of a late start to that because it kind of, I came up with it late in the year. Okay. So I think that'll do it. If anyone's still listening. Oh, Mike told me to, to give a hashtag. Um, uh, if you're still listening to this, uh, send Mike a tweet that says, hashtag Matt needs water. <laughs> um, also, also tag me and tiny at @obses- obsessive tiny, at obsessive tiny and at obsessive viewer. Ty- uh, Mike's, uh, Twitter handle is I am Mike white. And again, follow us on letterbox. It's going to be a great year. We are so thankful that you guys have stuck with us for so long. We're going to hit six years podcasting this year. Huge. <laughs> huge i'm i'm so pleased and and happy that you guys are sticking with us um tiny any parting thoughts
1: uh man it was a really good year for movies. it really was yeah and we did we did a lot of podcasting i think with the other mm-hmm. um with the other podcasts included mm-hmm. you know we it's almost something every week you know Yes. Yeah. pretty pretty consistent so oh yeah
0: <laughs> uh yeah, Tower Junkies. We had like a, a bunch of episodes, but um, <laughs> Anthology I haven't touched since like February. Um, so sorry, guys. But anyway, uh, yeah. So as we said before, when we said bye to Mike, uh, we are going to have a um, a uh, we're, we're going to have a bonus episode reviewing Escape Room, and that's going to come out in a couple days. And then next week, I don't know what we're going to do. Maybe we'll review something that me and Tiny see on A List. Maybe with A List. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Um. Well, I don't know. We'll see. The we'll see what the upside is of that. Um. Of that idea. Um. And then maybe we can get some like replicas of of our podcast going. Um. Okay. Well, what? I know. <laughs> I, I know that you're tired as a dog, so yeah. we need to we need to find a uh, a dog's way home. Uh, for Tiny. Um. Those are three movies not, that are coming out this not week. Not
1: getting those at all.
0: Okay. A dog's way home is a looks terrible okay. uh, Replicas is a new Keanu Reeves sci-fi movie and the upside is Brian Cranston and Kevin Harden wow. so yeah having said that thank you guys so much for listening to us happy new year happy 2019 uh, hope you guys had a great 2018 and hope you stick with us for this year this nine and a half hour episode notwithstanding <laughs> uh, so thank you guys for listening and we'll see you next time thanks
1: Tiny, I'm back. Okay, good deal. Matt's still gone. He said that. Um, I think it makes sense for him to read off Kirsten and, and Feckus's top ten really quick before we get into ours. Okay, sure. It'll be it'll be brief. Yeah.
3: Do you
0: think it was a good idea? Yeah. Is that okay, Mike?
2: Are you mad? No, man, that'll work. Okay, cool. <laughs> Am I
0: mad? <laughs> <laughs> is that fine? You can, is that gonna work? It's I'm super excited.
2: This has nothing to do with the podcast. And this oh. is a really dumb thing. But you can see over there. See those? Yeah. So those yes. are my comic boxes, right? That's, those, are all my, oh, my, okay. those are all my comics. I was
0: looking at the posters. Oh, okay.
2: Those. i talking about mm-hmm. these.
0: There you go. I like Yeah. I like, like Gotcha.
2: Trying to do it like in the mirror. <laughs> anyway. Um... <laughs> I got, uh, I got a new set of 25 dividers, so I can more effectively <laughs> categorize my comics. I'm really, really? super psyched on that.
3: Wow. Yeah.
0: You <laughs> anyway. know, we've been doing this for almost six years now. Yeah. That might be the most nerdy thing that's ever been said on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely up there. Yeah. What, the <laughs> categorization aspect? Yeah, yeah. Also, just the excitement over oh getting God. new dividers. No, I got. Yeah,
1: I got them in the mail today, and nice. I like. You didn't get new comics. You got new dividers. <laughs> no, well, Wednesday's
2: new comic day, but yeah, nice. yeah, I'm excited because I'm gonna. Uh, my goal is to build a shelf over there, like specifically oh, nice. for the short boxes, and so they'll kind of mm-hmm. slide in and out. Um, and I need Sweet. them to be more organized because I have some longer boxes, but I want to get rid of them anyway.
0: Okay, podcast. To be fair i get it yeah, <laughs> yeah. i'm not right. disparaging it like i'm totally there with right. you yeah um as obsessive comic book
1: guys no no, no, no? time okay
0: okay <laughs> that's fine um all right so i'll bring us back in because it's my turn for my honorable mentions yes yep. okay
2: yep <clears throat> the obsessive viewer podcast is edited and produced by matt hurt and presented by obsessiveviewer.com For a full archive of our episodes, go to obsessiveviewer.com slash OV archive. You can also like our Facebook page and join the OV Facebook group at facebook.com slash the obsessive viewer and follow us on Twitter at obsessive viewer and at obsessive tiny and follow our recurring co-hosts at I am Mike white. That's me at R a fecus and at burger underscore lurker. If you enjoy the show, please take a couple minutes to leave us a rating and a quick review on Apple Podcasts. This is the easiest way to support what we do, and all it costs is a little bit of your time. If you'd like to donate to the podcast, you can make a PayPal donation at obsessiveviewer.com slash donate. Or support us on Patreon for recurring donations and access to commentary tracks and B-roll audio recorded exclusively for patrons at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer. Every donation goes toward paying the fees to keep the podcast running and is greatly appreciated. For official Obsessive Viewer merch, including shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more, visit our TeePublic store. You can find a link to the store in the show notes of this episode and at obsessiveviewer.com donate. Or you can simply search for Obsessive Viewer at t-public.com, TeePublic.com, T-E-E-Public.com. For information about our annual live event showcasing short horror films from local filmmakers, check out ShocktoberinIrvington.com. And for an archive of all our events, as well as news about potential future events, head over to ObsessiveViewer.com slash live. For more podcast content, you can find Anthology, Matt's solo podcast covering The Twilight Zone, and other classic and contemporary science fiction anthology TV shows at AnthologyPod.com at the secular The theme music for the obsessive viewer comes courtesy of the band Loudlike from their EP Mistakes We Must Make. Additional bumper music is provided courtesy of As Good As It Gets, which can be found at Facebook.com slash as good as it gets band. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.
0: Kitty